0: This is Comic Geek Speak, episode
1: 1587, Previews. you got Wednesday, and the
2: I'm Adam Murdo. I'm Shane Kelly.
1: And I'm Chris Everly.
0: The extended version there. <laughs> All right. Welcome to our uh, monthly uh, review of the previews catalog from Diamond Entertainment, where we go through the book from front to back, start to finish, and uh, just highlight all the different things we're excited about uh, for the coming months. Uh, This time we have the uh, book that uh, – it's the January 2016 catalog, uh, which uh, points up uh, releases for March of 2016. And uh, we're going to be talking about all the things that uh, we're going to purchase and or have our interest for uh, a couple of months from now. And as always, whenever uh, the uh, topic of the episode is previews, uh, our sponsor for this episode is going to be our friends at the Discount Comic Book Service. Visit their website at dcbservice.com. They are an internet mail order service for comic books and related paraphernalia. Um, They always have... uh, Plentiful discounts available at their website for those who uh, care to shop with them that way. Um, there's their uh, famous bundles. Uh, they have several of those on offer this month as usual. Um, uh, there's a DC, DC uh, the new fifty-two uh, post-flashpoint wave of DC Comics series. Uh, many of them are turning fifty. Uh, coming this spring, fifty issues um, uh, dating back to uh, the early fall of 2011. Uh, so there's a bundle of number fifty issues available at DCBService.com at fifty uh, percent off, of course, uh, for the if you buy the entire bundle, all of the fifty issues that uh, number fifty issues released that month. Uh, there's a bundle of DC miniseries. There's new Vertigo series in a bundle. There's a Marvel relaunch bundle continuing. Um, and and there are also uh, special discounts offered 50% or greater on certain uh, key issues, like the, the first issues of uh, miniseries or ongoings, um, plus 50% off all Marvel trade paperbacks and hardcovers and also DC trade paperbacks and hardcovers. So there's just uh, the usual bounty of discounts there at DCBService.com. Uh, it uh, answers all of your uh, comics uh, mail-ordering needs if you don't have a local comic shop uh, to to patronize. Uh, they've got your back, and with these bundles they provide you as the major publishers continue to roll along with their market saturation strategies, um, <laughs> DCB Service has got your back to help you uh, keep up with these bundles that they offer. So it's a longtime friend and uh a corporate partner of ours here at Comic Geek Speak, and uh, we, we all use the service. We all appreciate the service they provide, and uh, no, not just uh, as per uh, – uh, not just a service as in discount comic book service, their name, but uh, uh, the customer service that they offer to their clients, uh, which is always top-notch, uh, very responsive to the needs of their customers. It's, uh, you know, for, for me, when I'm in Stone Harbor, New Jersey over the summer with no LCS in sight, they've, yeah. they've been a lifesaver to me. So there's our sponsor for this episode, and I'll be checking back in here with uh, uh, the, whatever, the special single-issue discounts they're offering this month as we encounter them going through the book.
2: I appreciate their end-of-the-month reminder, get-your-order-in emails I get. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, somehow the month slips away from me.
0: <laughs> it happens to me every time, Shane, every time. And even if you miss uh, the, the end-of-the-month deadline, yeah, yeah. they're always very accommodating. You can just uh, contact them and say, hey, look, I, I missed out on this. Can I just email you a list of things that I want? And they will, of course, put that order in for
2: you. Yeah.
1: Brethren, I want to wish you both a happy new year, and Adam, a happy belated birthday.
0: Yeah, Thank you very yes. much, Chris. Happy new year to you and yours as well.
1: Thank you, brother. Thank you.
0: Is it off to a how was, start? You, how was uh
1: Yes, uh, New Year's was uh, just relaxing and casual, so that was just fine for me. I wanted to ask you how your birthday went.
0: Oh, it was also relaxing and casual, actually. It, it usually just consists of me going over to my parents' house, sitting around, watching college football, whether we care about the games or not. <laughs> then uh, eventually there are cake and presents, and this time we watched uh, the original Star Wars movie on VHS. Nice. On VHS. <laughs> on <laughs> wow. VHS, yes. On my parents' widescreen plasma, and you know it didn't look as bad as you might think. Good.
1: Well, uh, and, and listeners don't know, Adam's birthday is on actually New Year's Day. So, so it is one of the easiest birthdays to remember.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't I usually seen... forget that one.
1: Always been very
0: grateful to have been born on that day because it can be a fairly depressing holiday otherwise. But at least this way, I get to open some presents. <laughs> Downside being that uh, all my present getting occasions were concentrated to one part of the year growing up. So that
2: was... Yeah, that happens with my boy too. Uh, he gets quite upset. I know exactly how he feels. Mm-hmm.
1: I would imagine, Adam, that you're feeling more relaxed now that the Christmas season is over.
0: Very much so, Chris. Yes, thank you. It's working much shorter hours and uh, not having to deal with as many customers – And so we're just kind of focusing on taking inventory, counting what Christmas things we sold during the year and how many we should buy for next year. We're already well into that process right now.
1: And I should point out that uh, Bill and I and my boys had the – took the trek to the, the Christmas barn for the first time. Yes, thank you, it, it was everything I anticipated and more. They, <laughs> they drove from
0: northern New Jersey to yeah. southeastern Pennsylvania was like a yeah. two-hour drive one way just to see the Christmas barn.
2: And so, this was after you were just up a Friday to uh, record an episode too. You came that's to the correct. studio. That's
1: mm-hmm. correct. Yep.
0: Visited by wise men from the east. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's uh, see what uh, wise decisions we can make here as we go through the previews. Then.
0: All right. We'll try to make them wise anyway. <laughs> Beginning, as always, with the Dark Horse section of the book, which begins on page 55. And uh, dealing an ace right off the top of the deck, we have uh, what Dark Horse is leading with. It's a new Predator miniseries. Uh, It's one of the major entertainment franchises that um, Dark Horse still has under license. Uh, It's Predator Life and Death, number one of four. It's written by Dan Abnett, so right there you know it it will not suck.
2: Exactly.
0: uh, the, The artwork is by Brian Thies. Um, and it's about, uh, Predators versus, uh, space marines in space. I mean, it's, I mean, if you're a Predator fan, I don't think you need to hear much more than that. Uh, and, well, but, you know, just to, in case you do need to hear more than that, if you go to dcbservice.com, this is their, uh, plum discount of the month. It's 60% off wow. Oh, wow. for issue number one.
1: Predator was one of the earliest licenses Dark Horse, uh, secured, I believe, and, uh, Along with aliens, and uh, I, you know, I, I've always loved the Predator concept. I just watched the first two movies again recently. Um, Shane, have you seen Predator two lately? Uh,
2: not in the last say two three months, but I have yeah. seen it this last year in twenty fifteen. Yeah,
1: it, it's I, I, I find that that second one just immensely entertaining. Oh, I do too. Um, him just running around Los Angeles in the middle of a drug war—it's uh-huh. just, <laughs> just—it's it, so self-indulgent and fun. And um, and.
2: Uh, Bill Paxton's in it which is great cuz he was in the second aliens and the second predator.
1: Yes. And I love how he throws his ping pong ball when he runs out of ammunition at the predator. Uh-huh. Um yeah, the for that... the, the first one to me is is a cl- is a classic action adventure film. Uh, I I love the first one. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah.
2: that and that one's great but I I prefer the sci-fi aspect of the second one. The the craziness that ensues, the wall at the end inside the the predator ship. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, awesome. you just can't go wrong there.
1: I have yet to see Predators. Have you Have you watched that?
2: Oh uh, gosh, is that the one with Topher Grace in it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I've seen most of that. I keep catching it when it's on TV and not sitting down to watch it as a movie. Um, I've seen most of the Aliens versus Predator movies as well. I went to the movie theater for the first one. As I did I. It was the hilarious. The second one, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, but there are one or two that I have missed now. I, I forget, God, how many there are in total. But yes, I have missed. One or two of them.
1: All right. So if you're if you if you're jonesing for some Predator, and Dan like Murd said, Dan admits so it's it's going to be entertaining at the very least. Yeah,
2: and so, it looks like they're on a planet with um one of the alien spacecraft
1: from Prometheus, right? Yeah. yeah, it looks like it. Yeah,
2: or at least whatever that kind of ship is.
1: Yeah. What else for Dark Horse,
0: gentlemen? Well, after that uh, sensational start, uh, honestly, not that much for me. <laughs> Um, something that looked interesting to me on page 65, a uh, new miniseries called The Shadow Glass, six issues, um, written and, uh, illustrated by someone named Ali Fell, and if the cover image uh, shown here is any indication of what the interiors will look like, it will be lushly painted, uh, it's about, uh, a young, uh, wizard's apprentice, uh, who, uh, learns that her father is in league with the devil and is launched on an adventure, uh, from there. It sounds kind of like, uh, the basic premise of Star Wars, except it's set in 16th century Earth um, and it uh, uses magic instead of, you know, quasi-mystical force That's manipulation awesome. and uh, features a guest <laughs> appearance by Dr. John Dee, who is a, a, a
1: historical figure hmm. of, of that period. Oh. The, the art does look gorgeous. My God.
2: On page uh, 68 and 69, 68 has the massive Library Edition uh, Volume 1. Magnificent. Which I think I've read Volume 1 in trade. Um, and and I I liked it if I remember right. Well, this um, is an
1: expanded version, so it's issues zero through fifteen.
2: Which, which that's great. I always love when they do that, and I love yeah. it. a good nice hardcover. Um, page sixty nine has the Rebels Ugh. Volume One in trade paperback, which uh, I actually might get that because I, I didn't get the issues after we read the first one, hoping that there would be trades and stuff out for it.
1: Let me do my my standard uh, praise for the Rebels because uh, they're in, the series is, is has ended, so they're collecting. All ten issues in one trade paperback, Um, and I salute Dark Horse for going right to a trade rather than to a hardcover initially. This is an outstanding book. Uh, Wood's attention to historical detail in this book, he's he's chronicling the experience of different people, both American, British, and uh, American Indian perspectives on the French and Indian War and the Revolutionary War era. And actually the last issue hasn't come out yet, Uh, but it's magnificent. The art is gorgeous. And he really captures that feeling of how an epic historical event can affect, you know, just just regular people. And you see, you see famous historical figures kind of in and out in different parts of the series, but it's really focusing on the impact of the war on, like, you know, the wife of a Continental Army soldier who's left alone to like to run the farm. And it, it's it's outstanding. So I highly recommend it.
0: Deserves to be in classrooms, and uh, this paperback release uh, makes it that much more likely it'll get
1: there. I agree, and, uh, and I second Shane's comments on the massive. Also, Brian Wood, uh, just a, a post environmental catastrophe world where this environmental uh, organization is scouring the earth. There's been this massive flooding. There's a cataclysm. They're trying to find their, their sister ship, which has vanished. Uh, it's it's such a smart book when it comes to addressing geopolitics in in a, in a sort of a post environmental cataclysmic world. Uh, again, for me, Brian Woods one of the top writers in comics because he can just do run with any genre and make it interesting. So, what you know, what comics used to be, you know, decades ago, just yeah. it can be about any subject and, and it can be captivating.
2: Page seventy four and seventy five. Uh, seventy four has an a new All Yeah Comics Action Cat number one of four by uh, Art and Franco, which is always a good time. And on uh, 75, they have the itty-bitty Hellboy search for the Weir jagger, uh, Jaguar uh, trade paperback, which I didn't uh, – again, hoping that there was going to be a trade of that one. Um, I'll be picking that up the too. The Weir
0: jagger. Yeah. You're bitten by an aging <laughs> member of the Rolling Stones under a full moon. <laughs> that would be even more terrifying than a Weir Jaguar. I think.
2: Only if it was uh, after, uh, part of that movie that Mick Jagger was in. What, Free Jack? Is that what that was?
1: Oh, with Anthony Hopkins? Uh, yeah. And, and Emilio Estevez. Yes, that's it. I never saw that. in oh, the though.
2: Oh, <laughs> God, sidetrack. you got to go see that movie. It's <laughs> it's so – it's it's ridiculously post-apocalyptic-y, uh, science fiction-y fun. I, I love it. When it's on, I, I watch it. All I, right, I'll check it out. It's, I never it's not never even the best. heard of it, Shane. Oh, my gosh. It's
0: 1992. I just looked it up on
2: Wikipedia. It's not the best movie in the world, but I, I sure enjoy it when I see it on. It did, I put it up there with Demolition Man. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. God, there was a, a post-apocalyptic one with Lee Majors that was on TV years ago where he was driving a race car around siphoning gas out of gas pumps with some kid. Oh, all these crazy <laughs> stuff I used to love. My, my
1: only memory of Demolition Man is Stallone outrage. They don't have toilet paper anymore in the future. They used like some kind of shell to – you know wipe their buttocks after, after a bowel movement. I still, and I just remember him in a Stallone voice complaining about that. It's hilarious. I, I get
2: a kick out so, of that. John Spartan, you will, be cre- you will be fined one credit for obscene or whatever <laughs> when he curses or something. That's a great movie too. <laughs> so, so. Page
1: 84. This is an interesting historical uh, book. Trump, the com- not, not the would-be presidential candidate, ladies and gentlemen. Mm, uh, the Complete Collection, Essential Kurtzman, Volume 2. Harvey Kurtzman uh, writing, Will Elder, Jack Davis, Al Jaffe, uh, Mel Brooks, Wally Wood, Dream Magazine for Hugh Hefner and Playboy. Only two issues saw print. Six decades later, the legendary Trump is finally collected, including the aborted issue three. So apparently this is an unusual crossover of Hugh Hefner's Playboy with the core team that created an abandoned mad magazine. That sounds fascinating.
0: That sure does. Plus material written by Mel Brooks. Wow.
1: Yeah. That looks really interesting.
0: That is something else. And another past master of the medium uh, uh, gets the spotlight shown on him on page 85. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dark Horse is releasing a hardcover collection of some of his pre-Pogo the Possum uh, comics work. It's called Walt Kelly's Fables and Funnies, collecting stories from Fairy Tale Parade, Four Color Comics, Raggedy Ann and Andy, and Santa <laughs> Claus Funnies. Yeah, I have a hardcover uh, Christmas Comics Treasury published by Craig Yo, his uh, Yo Books imprint under IDW, and it does have a Christmas story in there drawn by Walt Kelly. But that's just one story. This yeah, is the whole shebang, right? This is just uh, one hundred proof Walt Kelly.
1: Anything else for Dark Horse, gentlemen?
2: No, that's all I had for Dark Horse.
1: Adam? Yeah, me too. Let's move on to DC. DC. All right. Shall we go to our first off-the-rack pick then? Oh, sure. yes. Fine idea, Chris. Yeah, Page, 90- page 94. Yep. Right.
0: Uh, it's Legends of Tomorrow number one, which is an 80-page giant, um, and it's uh, – the, the title – uh, it, it's a bit of uh, shameless cross promotion there, just to tie it in uh, in a way that uh, the material inside does not, uh, with uh, the upcoming DC um, CW television miniseries, uh, you know, the mid-season production uh, replacement that's going to feature you know, the Ant, uh, f- uh, various characters from the. Uh, Flash and Green Arrow TV series uh, coming together, uh, <laughs> brought together by Rip Hunter to battle Vandal Savage or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but yeah this correct. this has really nothing to do with that. Uh, there will be a Firestorm character on that miniseries and in this comic, but it, it's set in the uh, post-Flashpoint New 52 DC continuity. So we've got a Firestorm story written by Jerry Conway, you know, the creator of Firestorm. Uh, we've got Metal Men written by Len Ween, another DC Comics uh, legend there. Um, Metamorpho, uh, written and drawn by Aaron LaPresti, and this is uh, <laughs> this is the gem of the bunch, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, or maybe I mean I don't know if I'm going to like the tone when I finally get to it. But uh, the uh, classic uh, the sort of, uh, Kitty Adventure series of, of, of years past. It's a uh, uh, Sugar and Spike, which is a strip that uh, DC did uh, back in the '50s all the way through the '70s. Um, which is the adventures of two little uh, family circus-type toddlers who spoke in their own uh, baby talk language. and The adults in their lives couldn't understand them, um, but uh, the readers could. And uh, so we have Keith Giffen here to tell us a story of Sugar and Spike all grown up and acting as private investigators specializing in uh, metahuman-type cases in the uh, modern-day 21st century DC universe.
1: Murd, who was the legendary artist who drew Sugar and Spike for much of that run? I forgot I forgot who it was. I
0: believe it was Shelley Meyer. But, you know, that,
1: that, that rings a bell. Didn't he start to lose his eyesight or something like that? Yes. Means, yeah, okay. Yeah, I that, seem to recall that.
0: Uh, yes, I was right. It's, uh, I, I'm never sure whether it's going to be Shelley Meyer or Shelley Moldoff. It's, you know, they both worked for DC. They both created some classic concepts for them, but uh, it's, it's hard to tell which one is which. But this one was Shelley Meyer, yes, Sugar and Spike. First appearing in 1956, ran through 1971.
1: Wow! So they they haven't been seen print since then.
0: Ah, uh, well, maybe a cameo here and there. Yeah, the, actually, yeah. the, a supporting character from their strip had a one-panel cameo in Crisis on Infinite Earths, if you can believe it.
1: <laughs> My next question was, did they appear in Crisis?
0: <laughs> well, Bernie the Brain did, which is <laughs> this like super genius baby that was a friend of theirs and would make. Fancy machines and uh, you know, plots for their stories would sometimes spin off the gadgets he'd create. Uh, but anyway, this is what Sugar – what uh, Keith Giffen sees as having become of Sugar and Spike once they grew up, came of age. So we get to find that out in Legends of Tomorrow number one, and we will be uh, re- reviewing that as one of our off-the-rack picks for the month of March.
1: All right. Now, a lot of the subsequent books – because DC, as Adam mentioned in our introduction, have hit issue 50 mm-hmm. from when they did the the, the the launch of the new 52 – is anybody still reading any of these titles that have hit issue 50?
2: Uh, Justice League.
1: Yeah, I, okay. I and, haven't uh, collected all 50 issues
0: of any of these.
2: Um, yeah, me either really, other than Justice League. Batgirl would be my next closest, but I, I'm even missing the last five or six of those, but I may get 50 for that one. Um, yeah, I don't think anything else I have has hit 50.
1: Actually, Shane, it looks like Justice League is up to issue forty nine in this particular previews and it's the penultimate chapter of the long running Dark Side War, which I've yet to start
2: reading. Oh, I've been enjoying it. I have I'm yeah. two issues behind on it, I think, but uh I've really enjoyed this Dark Side War storyline. I'm Before interested I, I see Bruce Wayne's back as Batman in the in the issue fifty um, and Superman, this is what I'm interested in. Not that I'm much on reading the Superman titles these days, but I am interested because it says here that he comes face-to-face with the pre-Flashpoint Superman that's featured in the Lois and Clark series. Exactly. And I am getting that and enjoying that very much. Yep, so am I. So I may pick up this issue just to read that part alone. Um, interests me greatly.
1: I'm glad you said Lois and Clark is good because I had them on my nightstand, but I haven't read them. Yet, so I, I
2: like them. I really do. All
1: right. If you, since both you gentlemen vouch for it, I'll put that at the top of the pile. It's, it is kind of nice to see an outsider's
0: perspective on the post-Flashpoint DCU, mm. You, know, you know, it's something that mirrors what uh, longtime DCU fans have been thinking and feeling yeah. about it, but yeah. uh, that an, an opinion expressed within the universe mm-hmm. as opposed to extra-textually, which is the best that we can do Right Here from Earth Prime, if you will. Oh, Aquaman it, number 50 on page 98. Uh, looks like Dan Abnett has taken over writing that series. And we're going to be introduced to a character called Aquawoman. Is this going huh. to be just uh, Queen Mera in a new costume, or is it a new character altogether? You'll have to pick up the forty-eight page issue number fifty to find out.
1: I may, I may grab that because for me, Aquaman was one of the strongest titles when uh, the New Fifty Two was launched. Yes, it was, and I stayed with it uh, through the Jeff Johns period and part of the uh, was it Jeff Parker? It was, yeah. And then, and then it just kind of. Like so many books just kind of fell off, fell off the list for me. So I may come back to it then because I, I love Dan Abnett's work. So
0: I guess we have to acknowledge here that uh, just about all of the f- number 50 issues that DC's putting out this month are 48 pages and with a cover price of uh, four ninety nine. Ouch. But if you bundle them at DCBService.com, you, know, you shave half of that off.
2: Yeah.
0: You'd be paying more like two forty nine per issue.
2: And this uh, this month's uh, variant covers come polybagged, and it says here polybag art shown, and and they they go back and forth between a picture of what looks like movie Superman and movie Batman, with the opposites symbol ripping through the page as the title of the book inside is coming through the polybag, sort of it's a little bit weird.
1: Well, the movie does come out in March, so I it can does. see why they're doing this. Promotion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. And what else is jumping out of people for DC?
0: Let's see. Detective number 50. Looks like that's going to wrap up the uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon in the Bat Costume storyline. Oh, uh, yeah, Shane, you mentioned uh, the uh, crossover between Superman and – the pre-Flashpoint Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Green Lantern number 50, we see Hal Jordan – well, the parallax Hal Jordan has yeah. seen in Convergence. That's interesting too. Yeah, he's going to show up to pass huh. judgment on what's been going on in uh, the post-Flashpoint Hal Jordan's life, which <laughs> has not been much fun for Mr. Jordan. I haven't been following the story, but uh, – no, I haven't either. You've seen images of uh, Hal Jordan wearing that costume with the hood. Yeah. He's kind of like a renegade now. And uh, so, yeah, uh, parallax Hal is not going to like what he sees. So it's it's going to be uh, quite a conflict, I think. So that's another thing I'll probably be checking out.
2: I am still i'm a, i'm a couple issues behind on this as well, but I'm still loving the Justice League three thousand and one series. Um, I'm much further behind on Earth Two Society, but I think I read the first three or four issues of that um, in this new iteration, and and I by uh, Dan Abnett, and I I really enjoyed that as well.
1: Not much else is jumping out for me personally in the, uh, the, fi- the New 52 universe.
2: Um. I picked up Titans Hunt 1 through 3, and then I stopped because I want to sit down and read those before I continue to get it. Um, it looks really good and interesting, and um, I like the idea of what they're doing there, but we'll see if I like the three issues I have.
0: It's, it's piqued my curiosity too, but I, I have- haven't uh, invested in it monetarily. I just want to
1: point out on page one thirty again. I want to laud Grayson.
2: Oh, absolutely!
1: By uh, written by Tim Seeley and Tom King, art by Michael I just Janin. Um, such an outstanding espionage book. Uh, the intrigue and also just a fascinating take on the Dick Grayson character, as because they obviously put him in a totally different environment. Uh, it's it's a wonderful book, consistently great from month to month.
2: I'll, um, I'll also echo that with uh, Batman Beyond on the next page. I've really been enjoying that series as well. I'm glad I picked that one up.
0: No Jurgens.
2: Yeah. Well, I have here. Robin War to read. I just got it in my last shipment. Because um, normally I only get, uh, out of any of those titles, I was only getting Robin, son of Batman. But I wanted to read the crossover. Uh, you know, Robin's always a cool character, so... We'll see how that all reads out, too.
1: On page 139, they're doing yet another Wonder Woman 77 special. Yes, they are.
2: Keep them coming, DC. Absolutely. Yeah, issue three,
1: uh, Mark Andrejko, Christos Gage, Ruth Fletcher, Amanda Debert, and Trina Robbins. Trina Robbins, who is a big-time yeah. Wonder
0: Woman fan. Wrote a book oh, yes. about her and everything.
1: Uh, we've, we've talked – Shane, have you read these books?
2: I read the first one. I haven't read yeah. two yet. I have it.
1: What did you think of the first one? Oh, I
2: loved it. It was a lot of fun. Between that and the Batman sixty six series, which which I do believe is coming to a close, I could I could read that stuff all day long. The more the merrier of that.
1: It is coming to close, but they do have Batman sixty six meets the Man from Uncle number four. Yes, they so they're do. Doing that miniseries. Mm-hmm.
2: I have the first issue of that in my pile to read as well. Yep.
1: And Batman Teenage Mutant
0: Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I bought the first issue of that.
2: Not quite as excited for that one. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and maybe get a trade of it. But no. I...
0: well, we're playing it as a parallel Earth's story. Oh yeah, yeah. So and that that, that, that does interest. Yeah. yeah, we learned that uh, in the Turtles universe, Gotham City is just a big open
1: field. <laughs>
2: On page 140 has a Scooby-Doo team up, teaming up with the Flash.
1: You made me me the punch. I was going to mention that as well. That looks fun. Solve the
2: mystery of the ghost of Gorilla City. I love that
1: series. (laughs) Sholly Fish, the writer,
0: once again proving his talent for writing fun, smart stories, taking some of the strangest concepts from DC Comics history and just weaving them into tales that are accessible to all ages.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm going to jump ahead to trades, because I think DC is releasing some really interesting trades from their original universe. Okay. On page 144, Elseworlds, Batman, Volume 1, collecting Mm -hmm. some of the classic uh, Elseworlds by Batman, Holy Terror, Dark Allegiances, Dark Joker of the Wild, In Darkest Night and Robin 3000. Uh, Kingdom Come is going to be a 20th anniversary deluxe edition hardcover, also on page 144. Shane, I think this is a story you liked, 145, Superman, Emperor, Joker.
2: Yes, I did. Um, I, I read it. I actually have a trade of it now, which is the previous version of this. And I've read that through once. I, I really did enjoy that series when it was coming out, um, yep. and it was crossing over everything. Yeah.
0: I was working on my undergraduate thesis at Penn State when this was coming out, actually. <laughs> it, was, it was about tricksters in comics, and sure enough, here's the Joker and Mr. Mixius Pitlick figuring largely into a story in which the Joker demiurgically wipes out DC Comics reality and replaces yeah. it with his own warped wish-fulfillment version thereof.
2: And uh, out of those Else worlds for Batman, I think I've read all of them, and I've liked all of them so much, I think I have all of them still on my shelf.
0: I think the only one I've read was uh, In Darkest Night, but I loved that one when I was just just getting started reading comics.
1: It's good stuff. And also next to Emperor Joker, The Man of Steel Volume Nine, continuing to reprint the John Byrne, Roger Stern, Jerry Ordway, Superman. Uh,
0: the introduction very... of the confusing post-Crisis Supergirl.
1: <laughs> so good stuff there. The next page we've got Batman Adventures Volume Four, continuing to reprint the classic comic that adapted uh, the style of the Batman animated series. Now, Great stuff. Volumes
2: Great. 1 through 3 are printed on comic paper that I love. Not shiny. It's more newsprinty type classic stuff. Right. The Superman volume 1 is printed on shiny weirdo stuff which drives me nuts. <laughs> so I'm hoping that with volume 4 we're not changing that in the Batman stuff. Cuz that the, seeing the the Superman Adventures one uh, like that deters me from getting the subsequent volumes of that. Mm. Yet I love the Batman one just the way it is printed on just the paper it is. hope it stays that way.
0: My fingers are crossed for you, Shane. Me too. For the sake of the uniformity of your collection,
2: if nothing else. Well, just my enjoyment. I I prefer the paper that that the other – that volumes one, two, and three are printed on.
1: And right next to that, if you're jonesing for the Bronze Age from DC, you can't get much better than Black Lightning. Mm -hmm. Tony Isabella Creation, art by Trevor Von Eden, Frank Springer and Vince Coletta, collecting issues one through eleven, and – the story from Cancelled Comics Cavalcade, the fabled ca- Cancelled Comics Cavalcade. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. And below that, a lot of good stuff here. The Flash yeah, sure by is. Grant Morrison and Mark Miller when they wrote the series of issues one third and 141.
2: I love that so, series. Have some very good stories in there. Yeah, it sure was.
1: And across – I know I've never read the story, The Invasion Story on page 147.
2: I read it when but, it came out.
0: Yeah, They left out the exclamation point. Well, now That's right. Just, There's an
1: exclamation point. It's
0: now it. just yeah. Invasion. Oh, okay. so they're, they're kind of blase about it this time. Yeah. It's not yeah. Invasion!
2: It's right. right? invasion. <laughs> they're used to it.
1: Uh, the next page, they continue to reprint the classic uh, Nightwing series uh, written by Chuck Dixon, art by S- Scott McDaniel.
2: I love that series.
1: Uh, below that, also re- continue to reprint the, what I think is the Magnificent Secret Six, the original series from the earlier DC Universe.
0: Well, not the original
1: original. Maybe. I'm sorry, Mark. You're right. I, I apologize. But the... The, the, the modern team, shall we say. Yeah, the, the supervillain
0: team as written
1: by yeah. Gail Simone. Yeah. The
0: yes. newer original.
1: Right. Yes. And uh, wow, there's a lot of stuff. On the next page, 149, Supergirl, the Silver Age omnibus hardcover.
2: Well, and right next to that, the Superman <clears> – <throat> excuse me, Superman Sacrifice. That all takes place right around the um, Infinite, uh, Infinite Crisis, Crisis and I, yes. uh, Identity Crisis stuff, um, which I read that story um, – and I loved it as well. Yeah.
0: Very important lead into the Infinite
2: Crisis yeah. story. Yeah. Yep.
1: This is the, this is the controversial story. Wonder Woman commits an act that casts her on the opposite side of Superman, for example. Yeah. Uh, th- th- now this is when Greg Rucka was writing Wonder Woman. For me, one of the greatest periods in the history of the character. Mm-hmm. I love the Rucka Wonder Woman arc. It's so good. So great stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: And next to uh, Secret Six on page 148, uh, we have a third volume of the John Ostrander 1980s Suicide Squads. Yeah, that's not a bad thing either. To continue the build-up to the release of the eponymous movie this uh, is that, this Is summer. that coming out this year? It is. It is, yeah. It's August, okay. I think.
1: Okay. Uh, what else for DCU?
2: I don't have anything in the Vertigo section myself.
1: Um, I I, I, I want to mention on page 155... Absolute Preacher Volume 1, issues 1 through 26, $150. Now, if you've never read Preacher, I just go out and get the soft covers. You don't need to spend this kind of money. And by the way, when you buy Volume 1 of the soft cover, you'll come come back to your comic shop and buy the rest. I almost guarantee it. Um, But if you're a diehard fan, this is going to be a beautiful uh, reproduction of or reissue of the first 26 issues in the Absolute format. For me, this is one of my all-time favorite comic book series without question. Uh, have you guys read Preacher?
0: I have not. I think I read the first issue uh, a year or two ago, but
2: uh, uh, no more than that.
1: All right, gentlemen, we got to hook you up. This is uh,
2: this is Garth Ennis's masterpiece. I may have the first two volumes at home. I think I read through the first one.
0: Yeah, I'm sure I have the first trade. I just yeah. haven't uh, cracked it open. I have a copy of issue number one, and that's yeah. that's that's what I've read.
1: And am I correct in saying that? AMC is doing a ver- an adaptation?
2: I believe so. Yep. And I
1: think the actor plays to- uh the the uh, Howard Stark is going to be the preacher, if I remember correctly. Wow. So, it's going to be weird. I, I think, don't quote me on that, but I think I think that's what it is. Anything else from uh Vertigo?
2: Nope.
1: I do want to point out on page 159, The Sheriff of Babylon, Tom King's new series about uh a murder investigation in in war-torn Iraq during the American occupation. I read the first issue it was outstanding and Tom as a CIA officer served in Iraq. Yeah. Uh and it, the first issue was utterly gripping. So I highly recommend that. Shane, uh I thought of you when I looked at the DC uh uh the collectible section. Um, oh yeah. There's just there's just some not stuff we're ever gonna buy, but you know the bombshells power gold Superman statue, like their circus performers. <laughs> well, and I thought that was fun,
2: and I want to say that's one of the first times we've ever seen a man in this version in a product other than a comic. Like I don't think there's any other bombshell men portrayed in any other statue or figure or anything yet. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Shane.
1: And I think usually, Shane, like the gender flip is that usually in these kinds of images that you see in, in old photographs or films, it's the man holding the woman oh, on the yeah, top of the yeah, shoulder. Oh, so, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's a great touch. So anything else for DC, gentlemen? Wait a minute. This is for Murd, page 166. I, I yep. was just going to say something. Yep, Murd, I'll let you do it. Go ahead.
0: Okay, so these are based on – I'm pretty sure they're based on uh, uh, Franco designs. I think so, yes. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, Ace the Bat-Hound and Jumpa, uh the uh, pet Kanga <laughs> of Wonder Woman uh, with their very own tiara and bullet-deflecting bracelets. Uh, they're nine-inch tall uh, stuffed plushies.
2: Oh, it does say designed by Art Balthazar below that. Mm-hmm.
1: Fantastic. And if, if anybody's interested in the super pets um, – there's a whole line of books for children that have come out over the past few years. Yes, there are. Where I, I forgot what company publishes them. I have a bunch of them in my store, but they chronicle every super pet you can think of that <laughs> DC has ever produced. And some that DC hasn't. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes, and they're, they're, they're fun. They're I great own a couple of those myself, in fact. Yeah. yeah. I do too. They, 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 they even released an encyclopedia as, yes, as they companion did. piece for mm-hmm. that, And so. I have a copy of
2: that. As do I. <laughs>
1: Ready for Marvel, gentlemen?
0: Not yet. Oh, my apologies. Yes, we have to go through IDW and Image first. Oh, that's
1: right. I'm sorry. I went out of order. Yep. And going into
0: IDW, we're leaping right into what they're calling Deviations Month. And Deviations appears to be IDW's version of uh, What If because it's uh, telling stories that answer the question, you know, what if things happen differently in the lives of the um, well, licensed entertainment properties uh, for which IDW has the right to produce comics? And so uh, we have Transformers, X-Files… Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ghostbusters and G.I. Joe and they're all
1: alternate reality stories Um, Shane I love the Ghostbusters premise yeah
2: (laughs) yeah you're not kidding
1: (laughs) so they failed to destroy Gozer and the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is ruling New York City yep and he looks like he's
2: hanging out on top of their firehouse
1: (laughs) I love how crestfallen they look sitting on the park bench in the the foreground (laughs) and look at G.I. Joe so Cobra has conquered the earth but Cobra Commander is having such a hard time maintaining control, he actually wants G.I. Joe to come back to, uh, I guess, offer him a challenge.
2: Yeah, that, that sounds interesting. Even the X-Files one in a world where Fox was abducted by aliens instead of his sister.
1: Oh, interesting. So, so Samantha Mulder takes, takes that role. Yeah. That show Is that show starting in January? I
2: want to say it is, yes.
1: Okay, I'm looking forward to that. I am too. All right, page 170, I'm salivating.
2: <laughs>
1: God, the latest IDW Artist Edition. Jack Kirby's The Mighty Thor. Ugh, complete stories from Journey to Mystery 111, 117, 118, and more, plus a beautiful gallery section. Pants, where are you? You're going to be salivating, my friend, when you see this. <laughs> I'm definitely purchasing this, purchasing this for myself. Kirby original art reproduced. Incredible. Ah, look at that. Beautiful. Shane, this is the sixth. I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. My apologies. Uh,
2: Well, page 172 has Back to the Future continuing into an ongoing now. And a Back to the Future game on page 173, of which the first 5,000 copies come with a Hot Wheels DeLorean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, 2016 is the 50th anniversary of Star Trek.
2: Yes, it is. How about that?
1: And uh, they got a whole host of books here. On page one seventy-seven, "Legacy of Spock," where they chronicle the further adventures of the of Spock Prime in the J.J. J. Abrams movie universe. Nice. And I, I'm still really bummed that Leonard Nimoy passed. Oh, you're not kidding. Last year, that 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 really affected me.
2: Somebody posted on my Facebook page. Also, the Post Office is issuing Star Trek stamps in honor of their fiftieth anniversary.
1: Oh, terrific! I'll definitely pick up a book. Yeah. And then Star Trek Beyond comes out in the summer, doesn't it? It does. Yeah.
2: It it does.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Why why that tone? I don't think that days.
2: first trailer looks very good. <laughs> the yeah. first new trailer for the third one. I like I really like the first one and the second one was okay. Um I don't know. We'll see. The first trailer for that new one just really didn't look good.
1: Well, we'll, we'll give it a shot. I mean, I actually I really enjoyed the second one too cuz you know, been a covered Cumberbatch playing Khan, but uh we'll see. Let's see what else 90 IDW is jumping out at you gentlemen.
2: I've got to figure out a good jumping on point for GI Joe with a trade or something with uh, I know they just had that big war and whatever happened. Um I know you were talking about reading that Chris as well. I just have to figure I, out I I, I honestly I a haven't
1: up. though. Um, I I I got to go back to the beginning of the Larry Hammer continuation a real american hero which they which picks up where the marvel series ended i i think i want to start with that well and,
2: and i have a good chunk of that too but i've it's been so long now i really have to restart that and reread what i read when they restarted it and then try and go through all that
1: if you only had the time eh, brother oh, you're not kidding <laughs> All right, what else did IDWs jump at you, you find men?
0: Well, on page 174, we've got a new Godzilla miniseries, uh, Godzilla World's End, five issues, and it's written by Joshua Hale Fialkov.
1: He's, he's, he's a good writer. Pretty solid, yep. Uh,
0: on page 185, we've got a new Mars Attacks miniseries, Mars Attacks Occupation, number one of five. <laughs> um, page 191
2: has. I didn't. I, oh, I didn't oh, go tell ahead. people oh, yet that, uh, the
0: first issue of that miniseries is 50% off at DCC, DCBService.com.
2: Nice. I, that's another off-the-wall movie that I will watch every time it's on. Uh,
0: they they destroy a golden retriever. And it's,
1: uh, <laughs> well, at that point, I'm
0: pretty yeah, much they do. done. I will never watch this movie in whole or in, whole, in yeah, part ever again.
2: They do.
1: I just enjoy watching Jack Nicholson as the president. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and various other roles. Yeah. <laughs> Um page nine one ninety one. I, I have the first volume of this. Actually, Ben picked it up and uh, I read it. Uh Pirate Penguin versus Ninja Chicken, book two. Uh it was a lot of fun to read, so I'm I'm looking forward to volume two. That
0: is exactly the kind of thing that Jamie would have bought. Oh my thesis. god, yes.
1: Yes. Absolutely. You're
2: absolutely
0: right.
1: Yeah. are you still reading My Little Pony? Uh
0: every single month.
1: Yeah. Is it still holding up for you? Sure.
0: Excellent. It's not Katie Cook every month, of course, but still, love the characters.
1: Is she still attached to the title or no?
0: Uh, Every once in a while. I mean, she's got other things she needs to be doing. So she kind of comes, like, takes an arc on, arc off, that kind of situation. Back on page 187, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 56 introduces Leatherhead, which is one of my favorite uh, non-Turtle mutants from uh, the early 90s when Matt and I were Turtles fans. So I'm going to check that out, see what he's like in the comic book continuity.
1: Shane, I'm jumping ahead to page 202. Yep. Danger Girl Renegade, is that a new story or a reprint of, of, of an older story? It's,
2: uh, it's a re- it's a, a trade collection of um, a miniseries that was recently put out. And how was it? I have it. I haven't read it yet. Because I know you're a big Danger Girl fan. I so. am. Yeah. Um, and and this this goes along with my, my Justice League uh, infatuation that it, it could be crap on a cracker and I would still get it because I really loved the seven issues of Danger Girl. They were a lot of fun to read. I wish it would have continued on from there in a more regular fashion. But I'm just as happy that in recent years IDW is putting out more Danger Girl miniseries because it's it's a lot of fun. What I've read the, of it is a lot of fun.
1: The original series was fun. I mean I read it when it first came out. God knows how many years ago that was.
2: Yeah, but Too many.
1: I want to point out on page 204, um, they're reprinting and trade the miniseries Tet, which was outstanding. Uh, it's all about uh, – during the, the Tet Offensive, which was the turning point of our involvement in the Vietnam War in 1968, uh, it's about a, a, an American Marine who is in love with and, in, and really wants to marry a Vietnamese woman and how the, the outbreak of the Tet Offensive, which is the, the North Vietnamese all-out assault on… American South Vietnamese forces in South Vietnam, that's how that offensive uh he, how he gets, how it, they both get caught up and it, how it leads to uh a a real tragedy in their relationship uh it, it's magnificent it's it's definitely one of the best miniseries I read in two thousand and fifteen so I highly recommend that it's got a, it's got a, it's got not only is it a war story it's got a kind of a it's got kind of a noir feel to it uh as well so it's good stuff. Anything else for IDW?
2: No, I don't have anything else for IDW.
1: I'm good, too. Let's go to Image.
0: All right, Image. And first thing I'd like to talk about here is the first thing that Image uh, lists in their section of the catalog, and that's uh, the five-issue miniseries Circuit Breaker, written by Kevin McCarthy, art and cover by Kyle Baker. And in a nutshell, it's um, uh, Kyle Baker drawing uh, a riff on Astro Boy. Uh, It's set in a slightly (coughs) more serious – Only slightly more serious, a post-apocalyptic world in which Japan is pretty much uh, the only civilized region left on the planet. And uh, there's a rash of um, hate crimes against robots. And we have a cute, uh, uh, teenaged android uh, protagonist. Sounds like fun to me. And uh, the first issue is 50% off at DCBService.com.
2: Excellent.
0: I think I'm going to do that.
2: On
1: page 210. This is our second OTR off the rack for the for the month. The Discipline, number one. Story by Peter Milligan, art, and cover by Leandro Fernandez. I'll read the copy. Between fighting her sister and hating her husband, Melissa still finds time to fall in lust with a stranger who's an awful lot more than he seems. What appears to be a simple seduction is revealed as something much darker and more dangerous – this controversial and erotically charged tale of sex, death, and the metamorphosis begins with an expo- explosion of carnality and weirdness. In! Immediately! Mm-hmm. I love Peter Milligan's work, and the art in this is fantastic. Look, they have several preview pages here. Uh, so this, this sort of looks like it has a, all kinds of interesting potential. Mm. Yep. With Milligan
0: writing, it uh, undoubtedly will be controversial.
1: Yeah. So, so that'll, that'll be our second uh off the rack pick. And we'll address that controversy in March. Indeed. What else jumps out to you in an image, gentlemen?
2: Um the thirteenth Artifact one shot when we were going over the Artifacts series. Um could be interesting.
1: It was a top cow thing,
2: right? Yep, yep.
0: Yeah, Pants was all about that line of yes books he was. for a little while there. I never read that. How how
1: was how was the artifacts
2: I enjoyed it well enough. I think we talked about every issue for the miniseries until it became a regular ongoing then. But, yeah, I I enjoyed it uh, if I remember right. It's been a while since I even thought of it, really.
0: Mm. Ron Mars was the writer for most of it. Yeah, he uh, was. This one is uh, produced by Amit Chauhan and uh, art by Eli Powell, a creative team uh, of which
1: I know nothing. Uh, For me, I mean – Image continues to produce such a dynamic variety of titles, like, for example, on page two twenty-seven, "The God Damned" by Jason Aaron and his co-creator of Scalped Arm Guerra. Uh, I read the first issue; it was riveting. It's it's all about uh, just humanity uh, before the before the biblical flood. And if you want down and dirty, just savagery, <laughs> read this book. I mean, the first issue was tremendous. Uh, really well done. Aaron's just knocking out of the park everything he seems to touch these days. I mean, a lot of images is titles that, of course, are all ongoing. Right.
2: Yeah, I saw back um around the spawn that that is up to 262.
0: Yeah, on page 239. Yes, you don't see a comic with uh, that long a run. No, you don't. Anymore in um, its current volume.
2: See, right before it on page 237 is Savage Dragon with 213. That one's getting up there as well. And, I mean, I know that they hit 250 and 213 respectively, but still, to keep going, that's, that's not a bad thing.
1: Yeah. I, I, that's, I, I, I appreciate the fact that Image is ma- maintaining those, those numbers
2: Heck, even in walk, terms of the issue numbers. Even Walking Dead's up to 152. Have you caught up? No, on that? I haven't. I okay. knew you were going to ask. No, <laughs> <Ugh>.
1: <laughs> no pressure. It's all supposed to be fun. I you know. Do, when you do, we'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, next to Spawn Star, this is a book I really enjoyed. The first arc, again by Brian Wood, it's all about a like a, a, a world famous celebrity chef trying to reclaim his standing on on this competitive cooking show uh, he created. The, the first arc was outstanding, and uh, it has a dystopian feel to it. It's it's almost like if, if Anthony Bourdain just went down in a spiral of, of drugs and, and drinking, and, and this is how he'd end up. Uh, it's really well done. I really I really enjoyed the first arc. Excellent book.
2: I'm up on page uh, two forty nine for "I Hate Fairyland" Volume One by Scotty Young. Collects one through five. It's only nine ninety nine. It's not a bad thing either. Image
0: using it's, it's a very good policy to have. You know, making mm-hmm. the first uh, trades of these ongoing series that affordable just to get yep. people hooked in. I agree. It's another.
1: It's another example. Of why I think Image is one of the top companies in comics today. And jumping back to that same concept, nine ninety nine, page two forty five, Black Magic. I read the first couple issues. I've loved it. It's Greg Rucka, so right right away, I'm, I'm automatically giving it a shot, and I, I wasn't disappointed. This is about a. Woman who is a police detective, but is also a witch, and she tries to keep those two lives separate. But in the story, they start to merge together in ways that are, shall we say, discomforting. <laughs> um, I read the first two issues; it was excellent.
0: Artwork by Nicola Scott, also yep. very much to recommend it. Yeah, not a bad thing. Oh, there. and yet another quality nine ninety nine trade, as I know you'll agree, Chris. On page two fifty, Paper Girls. Murd, you beat me to
1: the punch. Well done. Yep. Yep. Brian K
0: Vaughn writes it. Art by Cliff Chang and Matt Wilson. I think Matt Wilson is the colorist and a skilled one he is too. It's a story of uh, four 12-year-old – it says two-year-old in the – but they're definitely not two years old. They're <laughs> the four 12-year-old paper girls uh, who stumble upon um, – well, they have a close encounter of the third kind I believe is is the story. And it's set in the 80s and it's very much evocative of those uh, like Spielberg-esque
1: exactly.
0: nice. 1980s uh, glossy big screen uh, – uh, nostal- nostalgic and uh, fondly remembered uh, special effects slash coming of age epics. A little bit of ET, a little bit of Stand By Me, and it's it's by Brian Cavo and Cliff Chang.
1: Yeah, I merged, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, it has such the feel. It, it's so evocative of those '80s movies, like you said, ET, uh, Stand By Me, Poltergeist. It all it, they all kind of you you'll feel them all when you read the book. It's so much
2: fun. I will have to try that.
1: Yeah, uh, Shane, you're gonna love it. Without question. Anything else for Image, gentlemen?
2: I don't think so. So,
0: And I know time is growing short for you, Chris, so let's move on to Marvel.
1: I apologize that I do have to leave shortly, gentlemen.
2: No, you're all good.
1: Uh, Marvel really is kind of exciting me this month in terms of some of the the issue ones they have. Uh, Looking on page four and five, International Iron Man won by the, the great Daredevil team of Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malev. Um, this ex- now I, I have the Invincible Iron Man by Bennis. I haven't read any of them yet. They're on my nightstand. Um, but apparently they they've they revealed that Tony Stark was adopted, and now he's trying to find out what his past actually is.
0: That is a strange move, given that uh, the cinematic universe has taken pains to develop the character of yeah. Howard Stark for yeah. like the first yeah. time
1: ever. <clears throat> that's a good. That's a good point, Murd. But I'm excited because apparently he's joined in this journey by Doctor Doom. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Murd, you should talk about page six and seven.
0: All right, it's a a series. You know, uh, Jim Starlin has been revisiting his Infinity series of Adam Warlock and Thanos tales um, in graphic novel form at Marvel for the last couple of years. Yep, I have them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and thanks to Chris, I have most of them. <laughs> thanks, Chris. My pleasure, brother. <laughs> and now he's returning to the mini series format with uh, a four-issue weekly miniseries in the month of March. It's called The Infinity Entity, four issues uh, written by Starlin with art by Alan Davis. That wow.
2: Yeah, that can't hurt.
0: Oh, it, it does just the opposite of hurt. Believe me, Shane. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> well, my, my wallet may uh, feel differently, but uh, <laughs> believe you me, I'm all over this. Uh, variant cover for uh, the – Uh, Yeah, all four issues, actually, by Ron Lim, who is the artist on uh, the Infinity War and Crusade and uh, part of Infinity Gauntlet, the the miniseries that started it all. Um, It's a little hard to divine exactly what's going to happen from the solicitation copy. It's uh, a little cryptic, but uh, it's going to involve Thanos and Adam Warlock and other Marvel Universe characters. Uh, The Inbetweener, who was uh, introduced in the Warlock strip uh, by Jim Starlin (laughs) back in the 70s. Um, the original so the original Avengers, so there's going to be some time-tripping happening here, so timey-wimey stuff to interest you, Shane. Wibbly-wobbly. It, it can't help but be a quality comic, at least by my standards. And the first issue of this miniseries is our Marvel off-the-rack pick for the month of March. So we'll get a chance to gush about this even more after we've read the first issue and know more details.
1: Now, Murr, let me ask you this. Since so this is a weekly, do you want to review the whole thing?
0: You know... I guess there's no real reason why we couldn't, except it would right. mean we'd have to read that much more.
1: thats yeah, I never mind reading Starlin. It's not so. a bad thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so we'll just say <laughs> that it's the first issue, but we'll really be talking about all four issues.
2: How's
1: that? Sounds good. Sounds wonderful. All right. Uh, Hyperion gets his own book on page uh, 8 and 9.
2: And is also featured in one of the new Lego ser- uh, um, sets. Really? Yeah. Lego uh, the one, Hyperion. the one with Thanos. There's a new Lego set that just came out first of January. <laughs> I forget what it's called, um, but I know it features Thanos and uh, Hyperion. Outrageous! Yeah.
1: And then the next page, uh, X-Men ninety two number one.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. What do you think? Is is Danny going to be interested in that?
1: If Jubilee's in it, absolutely. I Jubilee is it's in it, right there. And I, wait, she's on the, the cover. Yes, yeah, she'll be interested in that. <laughs> I guess they're taking this from the whole Secret Wars uh
2: Yeah, I would think
1: Battle right. World thing.
0: Well plus this was the origin point for a lot of people's X-Men and comics in general, fandom, mm-hmm. back in the nineties when the X-Men Very cartoon true. was on Fox Kids. <laughs>
3: Page twelve and
1: thirteen is I think it was a runner up for me for OTR. Uh Black Widow number one, look at this team. This is the great Daredevil team. Another great Daredevil team. Chris Samney and Mark Wade. Uh I can't wait to read this. Wow. Look at the look 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 at the of her on the motorcycle. Oh, that's a great yeah, image. Yeah. Hmm. And
0: Chris Somi's actually got a co-writer credit this time. Yep.
1: So I mean, it's it's that team doing Black Widow. I I can't wait to read that. Now the big Marvel event. Um, actually, before we do that, let's a uh, Mockingbird's getting her own book too. On rather wow, really capitalizing on every movie and TV <laughs> property they yes, can. Yes, they probably. are. Yeah, uh, page eighteen and nineteen. This is
0: definitely on the strength of her role in the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series. Mm-hmm. But at least she, she's in costume for this. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm a little bit behind on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I haven't watched the mid season finale yet. Oh.
0: Yeah, I've been off the wagon since like midway oh. through the season, actually. Midway yeah, through uh, the first half of the season.
2: I mean, I still but, like uh, Flash better, but but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is up there too.
1: I, I, I'm not, I, Shane, I, I'm really enjoying it. I just got to catch up. Did Agent Carter debut?
2: Not, not yet. yet. Not yet.
1: Okay. It's this month, though, right? Yes. Okay.
2: want to say but, the 18th? Yeah, 18th or what's the 26th the week after that?
0: Oh, wait a minute. So uh, the 13th, the twenty. It, it's it's usually Wednesdays, isn't it? Or is it going to be on a Tuesday? Like
2: uh, I thought it was going to be on Tuesdays, taking the place okay. of... Okay, so 5th,
0: 12th.
1: Yeah, 12th. it always steps in for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's what they did last year, 19th, right? 19th, maybe. Yeah, okay.
2: 19th or the 26th.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I That... That, for me, is still one of the best Marvel television shows.
2: Thing. Oh, that was out, outstanding.
1: I, I can't wait to see the next season of that. Now, the big Marvel event apparently on page uh, 20 and 21 is Avengers Standoff, Assault on Pleasant Hill, Alpha Number 1. Now, Nick Spencer's writing, which is a good thing, let's um, say that they're going to explore the tension between Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson, which if you're reading the Sam Wilson Captain America book, which is very good, by the way um, – you know they're they're on the outs right now over various political and personal issues. So,
2: I think I just got the first volume of that in my last shipment or the shipment before that.
1: Yeah, it's, it, I'm enjoying that. But so Pleasant Hill looks like the perfect small town community, but underneath the surface, a deadly secret lurks. One so explosive will draw estranged ally, Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson back together to save a friend in danger and put things right. Hm. The Avengers will assemble like never before. Alright.
2: So really what what was the town called? Pleasant Pleasant Hill? Pleasant Hill, yes. Pleasant Hill. So really that's going to be Springfield and we're going to see a whole mess of Freds come on.
1: <laughs> All right. Now uh Marvel I always find a little overwhelming when I get into their ongoing stuff. I do too. Um there's a lot going on here. And, and I, I'm, I'm tired largely, of I'm, sorry.
2: I'm tired of reboots, relaunches, number ones. It's it's it's, like you said, quite a bit overwhelming.
1: Well, I wish I could read everything. There's just no time. I'm reading Mighty Thor, which continues to be great, uh, by Jason Aaron Russell Dauterman. That's an outstanding book. I haven't started Scarlet Witch yet. I have number one on my nightstand.
2: I haven't started that either.
1: By James Robinson. I still have to read The Vision by I Tom have to read King that too. I'm sure that's good too.
2: I did read the first issue of Visions. Yeah, I did read the first issue of Visions. That was good.
1: Okay, I haven't read that yet. Um... Of course – oh, on page six, 45, this sounds very interesting. Silver Surfer number three. Again, they, so they relaunched Silver Surfer even though it's the same creative team, mm-hmm. Slot and Allred. This is interesting. Murd. I think you'll appreciate this. In 1966, the heroes of Earth met Nornrad Rad of Zen la the Silver Surfer, in 2016 because it's his 15th anniversary. For the greatest stakes of all time, he will have to fight them all. Not a dream, not a hoax. This is really happening. A major turning point in the life of Noren Rad it will profoundly change the saga of the Silver Surfer. The variant cover by Steve Epting is beautiful. It sure is. Very much in a John Buscema style. To me, this would be been one of Marvel's strongest titles for the past couple years. Um, so I'm interested in that, in that for sure.
2: Did we pass um, Doctor Strange yet? No. All right. By I read the way, f- that book is awesome! Yeah, oh, I read the so first two uses of that, and that is awesome.
1: Oh, I just read the latest one uh, last night. Oh. It is consistently fantastic.
0: Right. Dr. Strange and his strange bedfellows carousing at the bar
1: without oh, doors. Great concept. Again, Jason Aaron. Um, I have to catch up on Amazing Spider-Man on page uh, 52, 53. 52? 52. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the first issue of the relaunch because, again, it's still Dan Slott. He's maintaining good continuity. Um, so it looks like they're gonna. He's, in these later issues, he's fighting the Zodiac, which is always a favorite Marvel crime cartel. Looks like Mockingbird's involved in the story as well. So that looks interesting. I have not read Spider Gwen beyond the on page fifty nine beyond the first issue. No, I didn't either. Of of when she ever she first appeared. When we 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 reviewed that, I think last year at some point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anybody be reading Spider-Woman now that she has a kid?
2: No. I dropped that one as well. Yes,
0: that's on a short list of books that I would be collecting if only it were two ninety nine per issue. But yes, that's uh, Dennis, Lull, Dennis Hopeless uh, who wrote the uh, Avengers Arena series that I was sure I, – that I hated myself for liking. <laughs> I hated the concept, but I loved the execution. Yeah. And yeah, it's got the porcupine as a supporting cast member. I mean <laughs> – there you go. I'm proud of myself for being able to resist it actually, but you know, it's it's just the price point. That's all it is. It's a budget thing.
1: On page 62, I have not read Spidey yet, which I think is like an all-ages Spider-Man book, but I love this. It's such – this cover has such a Bronze Age feel.
2: Yes, it does.
1: Dizzying defeat at the hands of doom. I mean it looks like someone just took – just like – who drew this? Nick Bradshaw? It looks like he was channeling John Buscema in his version of Dr. Doom here. Fantastic.
2: I think some of that also comes from the, the way it's colored as well.
1: Yeah, it's got a great Bronze Age feel to it. Ooh, speaking of the Bronze Age, uh,
0: page 63, uh, issue 8 of uh, Spider-Man 2099, Man Mountain Marco. Oh, wow. <laughs> An old amazing Spider-Man that, that
1: That is a Silver Age throwback right there. Wow. Good catch there, Murph. On page 67, now we're going to be... Re- uh, reviewing Power Man and Iron Fist uh, number one, which comes out uh, in February. That's by David Walker, who who wrote the, the latest fantastic John Shaft comic, we'll also be reviewing his new version of Shaft as well. When that comes out, what do you guys think of the art, though, here for Power Man and Iron Fist? It's throwing me a little bit, I have to admit, on page
2: 67. Well, yeah, Power Man certainly looks like he's uh, head and shoulders ten times too large.
1: I mean, it's it's a very stylized approach.
2: Very much so.
1: Um, I mean, I, I like Walker's writing, so I'm very much looking forward to reading this. Um, I'm, I'll, if, if the story is good, I'll get used to the art. But it, it just it's it's just never the way I, I picture Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah, that's essentially. Uh, I can understand why you guys are.
2: It's almost a little too stylized. By well, that.
1: plus plus Power Man's Iron Fist kind of dopey grin just, for me is just not that's just not the character. But
2: I I kind so. of expect to hear some kind of seventies. Music in the yeah. background, on fuzz, fuzz guitar. It's, it's yeah.
0: evocative of. Uh, it is kind of an indie um, uh, black exploitation yeah. arts. It reminds me of Jim Rugg from uh, Aphrodisiac a few years ago.
1: <laughs> uh, Shane, as you mentioned on page seventy four, seventy five, Doctor Strange. This is one of Marvel's top books.
2: Yeah, I was. I would agree I, with that.
1: I mean the the, the, the crisp. Uh, I always I always mispronounce it. Is it Bacalo? Bachalo, Bachalo, thank you. Uh, is so ideal for the the world of Doctor Strange, and Aaron is having so much fun, just with full pun intended, conjuring up uh, all these interesting new concepts. Like in the, the last issue I just read, which I think was issue three, uh, there's one plot device where because he's been using magic for so many years. It sort of mutated Strange's digestive system. He can only eat certain like enchanted foods that Wong has to prepare for him, uh, and, and they don't look pleasant either. Um, it, this book is is immensely enjoyable, and as Murd mentioned, he, he's exploring his relationship with the other sorcerers in the Marvel universe. They all meet in this, this secret bar that only sorcerers can enter, uh, like Shaman from Alpha Flight, for example, is there. Uh, other characters, uh, Magic from the X-Men universe, Scarlet Witch, of course. Great stuff. Highest recommendation.
2: Artwork's out of this world.
1: Yeah. What else for uh, uh floppies before I head to trades, gentlemen?
0: Well, in the uh, much uh, re- uh, much diminished X-Men corner of the Marvel Universe, we've got the Apocalypse Wars story, which is beginning in extraordinary X-Men number eight in anticipation of the uh, well apocalypse-centric X-Men movie that will be coming out before too much longer. Featuring I and, I just learned this the other day, Oscar
2: Isaac, who played Poe Dameron, yeah, is playing Apocalypse. I've, I've learned that too. I just
1: I, I was gonna mention that because he's one of my favorite uh working actors right now because I, I've said this many times in the air. His performance is an inside Lewin Davis, a most violent year. Uh, I haven't seen the ex machina yet. He's supposed to be sensational in that too. He is an outstanding actor. I mean what you see in Star Wars is only really a glimpse of his talent. Um so I'm really interested to see how he interprets Apocalypse. Um, Shane, again, I, I'm going to the Star Wars titles. They just, just continue to knock these books right out of the park.
2: Yes, they do. I got um, caught up on the main Star Wars title uh, over Christmas break and uh, thoroughly enjoyable.
1: Are you reading Vader down?
2: I am. I have it. I haven't started it yet, but I do oh, it's, have it's it. It's
1: one of the most exciting Star Wars comics I've ever read. Okay. It's so well done. Look at the look at the cover for Darth Vader 18.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, that's one of the most menacing Vaders I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, just a couple um, red the lights and a lightsaber. Wow. Very Empire.
1: Yeah, exactly. But these – these if you're a Star Wars fan, you haven't read the new Marvel Star Wars comics. We just did our our spotlight on the original Marvel series. Um, these are sensational.
2: Yes, they are. Uh,
1: I, I have not read Canaan. Uh, I've heard that's very good too.
2: I read the first issue of that. Um, I think it fits very well into what's happening with, with Rebels and the rest of the universe they're building. So I'm, I'm not unhappy that it's out there.
1: All right, I'm going to jump the trades, then a Fortune Gentleman must depart. I apologize for that. Um, Go for it. Page 104, they're reprinting uh, the Captain America Omnibus Volume 1. $125. This is a magnificent collection. Tail Suspense, $59 to 99 Captain America, 10113, 100 Not Brand X3. This is the cream of Captain America's Silver Age solo adventures. Classic stuff. You've got Jack Kirby, Jim Steranko, Gil Kane, George Tuska, John Romita, Dick Ayers… Dick Ayers, excuse me, Jack Sparling, done. If, if you if you love Marvel history and if you have the money, buy this book. It's tremendous stuff.
0: Plus, mm-hmm. a, a story from Not Brand Eck.
1: Yes. <laughs> that doesn't get reprinted very much. Page 108, they're doing an omnibus of, of John Byrne's West Coast Avengers material, which I'm sure Jamie loved. Um, no, no, have you read these stories, Murd?
0: Um, only one or two of them.
1: And there's, there's big events with the Vision in terms of his... Character development. Oh yes, stories. yes.
0: And Byrne, yeah. I know, had fun uh, working with the the U.S. agent character and uh, playing yes. all the other members of the team against him.
1: <laughs> uh, all Know all, different Avengers Volume One by Mark Wade. I've read the first couple issues of that. That's been that's been pretty entertaining. On page one hundred nine, one ten, Captain America Sam Wilson Volume One by Nick Spencer, penciled by Daniel Acuna. Uh, very good book. I'm enjoying their interpretation of Sam Wilson as Cap. Uh, and then the next page, Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 1 by Dan Slott. Also very good. Good stuff here. A lot, mm. a lot of good trades. Yeah. Um, There's just a lot, though. <laughs> we can't possibly afford all these things.
2: Contest of Champions, Volume 1, Battle World, yeah. page 115.
1: Uh, notice on page uh, 119, 120, 121, the reprinting and... F- has that. They're reprinting a lot of the Civil War books because, of course, yeah. Captain America Civil War is coming out of May. By the way, how mm-hmm. exciting is that trailer? Oh,
2: God. <laughs> boy, oh, boy, Black Panther. Holy <laughs>
1: – when I saw Black Panther
2: – You had a plot.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I mean I got giddy because he looks so perfect. Um, yeah. I, I cannot wait to see that film. Uh, it's the same director as the previous movie, which fills me with great uh, confidence in it. So – very excited for that.
2: Now, page one twenty three has something interesting. Color your own Civil War. It's nine ninety nine, and it's huh. made to color yourself. And I know that's a big thing. I saw Barnes and Noble. There's a huge display of adult coloring books that came out just before Christmas, and they're still there. Um, I don't know what the fascination is. All of a sudden, with adults to color, but it's definitely a thing. You know why not? And and you know this would be a lot of fun, especially if you're interested in coloring for comic books this might be a great way to try it out see what see what can look like because you can always look at what it come what what it originally came through as and what you're doing with it it just seems like it might be fun i might pick that up for the kids
1: good Um, idea my Uh, oldest i'm sorry shane go ahead
2: my oldest is getting interested in in drawing and art more and more every day i would say good for him yeah
1: Page 124, 125. This is a magnificent uh, reissue of a lot of great Captain America trades. Uh, so if you want to catch up on the character's more recent history – actually, there's older stuff in here too. But you've got Winter Soldier, Red Menace. Uh, this is all the classic Ed Brubaker, Steve Epting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the controversial Dimension Z stories, which I think Jamie despised. Um <laughs> The yeah. Epic Collection of uh, the Lee Kirby Captain America Tales of Suspense. The, then you have Epic Collection Dawn's or the Light, which is the classic John Byrne, Roger Stern stuff from the early '80s. The Mark Grunewald Ser- Serpent Society. This is all great stuff, <laughs> which Jamie um, also despised. Wait, wait, but but which I loved. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. Captain America Man Out of Time by Mark Wade. These are all great stories. Um, on page uh 128, this is one of my all-time favorite Captain America stories. This is the Mark Wade. Ron Garney stuff, both before and after the abomination that was the uh, Marvel – whatever that – Heroes what was that, Reborn. It is? What was it? Heroes Reborn? That yeah. nonsense. So this is, this is, for me, some of my favorite Captain America stories of all time where Wade really explores the Captain America character and his relationship to you know the US government. They bring Sharon Carter back, which is really well done. These are classics. So I highly recommend them. Uh, page. Uh, Sorry, I of lost my place here. Ah, Murd, I thought of you here. Page one thirty-four, mm-hmm. Marvel first, the 1990s, volume one. Now, this when you started reading comics. Exactly. Yeah. Now, how are your feelings? What are your feelings on this book?
0: I think it's something that needed to be published, actually. Uh, because you know, some of the things uh, included in this trade paperback are actually, even to this day, kind of hard to come by. It's oh, yeah. the first appearance of the uh, Danny Ketch Ghost Rider. Uh, well, some of these things are actually very easy to come by, like the first appearance of Sleepwalker, Darkhawk, and so forth. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a collection of, uh, well, first appearances that were germane to that particular period in comics history, which whatever you may think of it is actually a pretty important period of comics history. And it gives you an idea where the uh, storytelling values and or editorial uh, well, values and agendas were at that time mm-hmm. in Marvel history. And it introduces you to uh, what they saw as uh, uh, marketable flagship characters were at that time. Some of the stories Art. are um, of questionable value, but others are <laughs> really, really, really I, I think, worth reading.
2: wonder why behind Death's Head 2, it says 1992A, number one. Yeah, that is strange. Did we have a, an alternate? 1992. Well, Deadset
0: is actually a UK so, character. Maybe that's he was created by British creators yeah. for hire. For, for I think he first appeared in like the the Dragons' Claws uh, series over there in the UK. So. Maybe that's what that means.
2: 1992
1: A. Yeah. Right. And for you, Murd, next to that we have Infinity Watch, Volume One.
0: Oh yes, which is a required reading for any fans of Jim Starlin and his uh, Infinity Saga. <laughs> Having said that, I haven't read most of it myself, but uh, <laughs> it's one of those series I keep meaning to collect in the in the cheap bins. But uh, you know, I'm finding that my uh, I'm, I'm in proximity to cheap bins, except for those at Wild Pig, a lot less often than I used to be. And yeah. I don't go to as many conventions as
1: Murd. Let me tell you right now. Belated birthday gift, you're getting that trade from Wild Pig. Uh, <laughs>
0: you're too good to us, Chris. That's it's well-deserved, sir. That's but, true. But Even if you uh, don't have a connection at uh, a comic book shop, folks, <laughs> uh, it's its, a, it's a actually fairly reasonably priced. Uh, it's 39 99 but you're getting 22 issues of the Infinity wow. Watch. That's less that is, than that a dollar is, per issue. Yeah.
1: That is reasonable, yeah. Now, next to that, uh, I love Garth Innes' take on the Punisher. This is the complete collection of Punisher Max, issues 13 through 30. If you're a Punisher fan, the Innes stuff is required reading. And, of course, next to that, Uh, Allow me to gush once again. Gush,
2: gush, gush. Black Panther
1: by Christopher Priest, the Complete Collection, Volume (laughs) 3. In terms of finite series, this is my favorite series of all time. Um, And Shane, I will get you your copy of this, of course. Oh, yay. Uh, And I am in the midst of preparing a Black Panther spotlight, which we'll be doing at some point this year to commemorate his 50th anniversary as he first appeared in 1966. Excellent. So that is coming down the pike.
0: So if you want to read along with us, folks, pick up that trade and the two that preceded
1: it. Yep. Now, the, and the next couple of pages, great Star Wars trades. They're reprinting more of the Dark Horse stuff, the New yep. Republic Volume Two, and then Vader Down. From wow, this story has been tremendous. Uh, I, I, it's it's still ongoing. The last issue is coming out, I think, next week. It's it's a crossover story. Uh, highest recommendation. Just a, a thrilling Star Wars adventure. I won't spoil it, but it, it's just take my word for it. Um, I have to leave, gentlemen. I apologize. No,
2: no that's fine. Uh,
1: one last thing I wanted to point out, and this is also for Eric Nolan wethington uh, He mentioned on the forums that last month Diamond's Infinite Wisdom forgot to publish any of the, the Tomorrow's books in their ma- in this catalog. So they've doubled up on all of the P- Tomorrow's offerings. So if you go to the magazine section on page uh, four seventy, they've got. Two back issues, an alter ego, and a comic book creator all solicited. And let me tell you, the topics for these are sensational. Back issue 37, Merge will love this, explores the world's finest Batman-Superman relationship, the Super Sons, uh, Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane solo stuff, uh, Superman Radio Shack giveaways. I mean, this is why back <laughs> issues are one of the most exciting and fun comic magazines of all time. Uh, back issue 88 explores – this is right up my alley – uh, the black and white magazines of the 70s and 80s, Savage Tales, Epic Illustrated from Marvel, Jack Kirby, Will of The Spirit, great stuff. And the comic book creator number 12, the 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 title is all I need. What makes Jack Kirby the king of comics? I'm buying. I don't care what else. That's all I need to hear
2: yeah. for that. I love this. Look,
1: look at that Steve Rude cover on uh for that magazine, comic book creator number 12. So definitely check those out.
2: Now now look right to your right on that. Page 471, draw number 32, features Howard Porter and the Justice League 3000 characters.
1: Shane, you better pick that one oh, up. Oh,
2: I will. Boy, oh boy,
1: Brother, I leave the rest of the catalog in your more than capable hands. All righty, Rooney. And, uh, I will uh, talk to you both soon, and hopefully we'll be rendezvousing soon to do some uh, in-studio recordings. Oh, I'm sure we will, Chris. All right, brothers. Have a wonderful evening.
2: Hasta mañana. You don't too, get Chris? any on you.
1: All right. Farewell. Good night. See Good
2: night, Chris. I was just watching the uh, first Mission Impossible and Emilio Estevez's short-lived cameo in the beginning of Mission Impossible 1. Uh, he says that when they're talking about the gum to mash together.
0: <laughs> Hasta mañana. Don't get any on Yeah, yeah,
2: because the gum explodes.
0: <laughs> oh, and the uh... – Yeah, the the inside cover flap of the back cover of uh, this Marvel previews before we move on to other things uh, reminds me of one more Marvel thing I wanted to mention. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're continuing to reprint those uh, long out-of-print in the United States uh, Miracle Man. Uh, slash Marvel Man stories, you know, it originally ran in Warrior magazine over there in the UK and uh, in Eclipse Comics here in in the US mm-hmm. back in the eighties. Um, so we've gone past uh, the the Alan Moore stuff long since. Neil Gaiman has taken over writing, and we're beginning. Uh, Marvel is renumbering now with the the Silver Age storyline. Even I've heard about this. It, it uh, the print run was extremely low in the US, but uh, apparently the idea is a. Uh, Miracle Man and his Miracle Man family have uh, fulfilled their destiny as, like, Nietzschean Superman, Ibermenschen, whereas they do more than just defend the status quo the way Superman does. uh, They actually take a more active role in uh, evolving the world into the uh, utopian paradise that it's meant to be, and uh, so they they, they don't just defend the world. They change it, and uh, they've uh, created this uh, paradise uh, of it, and uh, then – in the Silver Age story, uh, another member of the Miracle Man family from the old stories uh, that ran in British comics back in you know, the Silver Age, uh, young Miracle Man, Dickie Dauntless, is uh, brought back from the dead. And um, he's, uh, he's stepping straight out of those uh, golly gee whiz Silver Age comics, and he's still got that mindset very literally. And, uh, he's, uh, and he's confronted with the world that uh, his old friends have created, and uh, – um, well, he's not sure how to react, uh, but – and that 's what the Silver Age story in Miracle Man is all about, how he does react uh, what, what sense he makes of what uh, his friends who as the solicita- as the solicitation copy puts it they 've turned into gods and monsters, and uh, so how he reacts to that is what uh, that arc mm. that, that, that 's the starting point for that arc. I'm. Um, I've always been curious about that story. Sort of yeah. dreamed of being able to find uh, issues of it, which are near impossible to find. Sure. Yeah. But now, thanks to Marvel finally getting off their duff and getting uh, the legal problems more or less resolved, uh, we're able to uh, read that in uh, a new edition. Very cool. So, definitely reading that. Yeah. Anything else from Marvel for you, Shane?
2: Nothing else from Marvel for me. That that about covers it. Um. Yeah. Other than the Star Wars titles and and Doctor Strange, uh, the visions. I've, I've cut back on my Marvel stuff, but some of the stuff in this new yet again launch of number ones has some interesting uh, storylines for me. So I might be picking up some of them. Oh, sure. Yeah. The back of the book.
0: The back of the book going on to independent publishers uh, and from our uh, old friends and allies at Action Lab Entertainment on page 268. Uh, they've actually given a comic to the Action Lab logo. That uh, silly dog with the jetpack on its back <laughs> and the goggles. Uh, it's now a character. It's not just a logo. Uh, Action Lab Dog of Wonder, number one.
2: <laughs> uh, that's a good, funny.
0: Good one for young readers, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> And the Just Another Sheep, so apparently that is a miniseries, as I suspected it might be, uh, on page 271, issue five of five. It's about a young man in uh, countercultural 1960s America trying to – who's discovered he has fantastic superpowers. He's an impressionable youth, and uh, he's getting himself in with uh, some uh, bad sorts in the drug-soaked, uh, drug-soaked hippie landscape of the 60s. My kind of story. And it comes to a close with issue five. Uh, page 280. Uh, American Gothic Press has apparently secured the license to Lost in Space. I saw that. The original 60 series. This ain't the Space Family Robinson, mind you. This is Lost in Space. Yeah so original uh, well it's well it's original content in that it's never been printed before but uh, it's based apparently on unused teleplays nice. from the tail end of the original series
2: yeah that's not a bad thing yeah, which
0: I've been for a little while I was trying to revisit and re-experience on uh, me tv <laughs> yep, on Saturday yep. nights until I realized just how campy those <laughs> episodes really were I used to watch them on USA back in the early 90s when oh I was wow much younger like 11 or 12 years old
2: I watched them back even further than that when I was 11 or 12 on um gosh probably Fox 29 well it wasn't Fox then it was channel 29 UHF right. 29 48 or 17 out of Philly mm. um in the summertime at least i i think they were rerun pretty heavily mm. I think yep. they
0: do get – they they're not that campy at the beginning. It, it's, no, no. More it's more Star Trek-ish. Yeah. And then it become, gets swept up into the whole Batman flap I think and yeah. all the celebrity guest stars and weird colorful costumes and sets and very, very broad and campy. And then towards the end though, I, I think it takes a, a couple of steps back in the other direction. Oh, OK. So hopefully these comics will uh, reflect the uh, – uh, terminal phase.
2: I know what you mean, though. I put on MeTV and watch a little bit of one every now and then, but, yeah, they're really campy. Yeah, and it's on at midnight, and I'm s-
0: tired already. I-, I usually put them on while I'm in bed, uh, about to you know, go to sleep, to get up for church early the next morning. And I, Yeah. <laughs> for one reason or another, I I've never make it through a full episode.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looks like um, the Archie universe is chugging along pretty good with Archie reaching number seven and Jughead hitting number five.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and it looks like we might see the super teen characters again, uh, Pure Heart the Powerful and Captain Hero. Yeah. It was written by Chip Zdarsky of Howard the Duck and Sex Criminals.
2: <laughs> I should I should try the new Archie just once. Um, I'm intrigued to see how it reads. I think I think Pants read it and liked it. Of course. Mark writing it, so of course i yeah. will try it. I mean, that's certainly not a bad thing at all.
0: It's not Fiona Staples doing the artwork anymore, but it's still Mark Wade writing it, so it can't be bad.
2: Boy, talking about comics that hit, hit a, a pretty good number, Simpsons Comics hits 227. That's not a bad thing. Uh, oh, yep. Nothing still to going. sneeze at either.
0: Yeah, they just uh, ended uh, the Bart Simpson Comics at uh, – well, well the, the, the last issue mm-hmm. of previews uh, solicited the final issue of that series. Okay. And that uh, went uh, over 100 issues too. Oh, yeah, I see the uh, Simpsons Comics number 227. Uh, the plot concerns Lisa starting her own podcast. So it's all about the uh, proliferation of podcasts <laughs> yeah, in, in, in contemporary society. Everybody in Springfield gets their own podcast. <laughs> that hits close to home, doesn't it? Worst
2: podcast ever. Um, I'm into Boom, and I'm kind of intrigued. I was never the biggest fan of this, but it's interesting that that Boom is bringing it into their house. Uh, that got the license for it. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one on page 306. Go,
0: go Power Rangers. Yeah.
2: Um, I might give this a try. Uh, I know <laughs> my kids got into Power Rangers for a short spell as they were growing up, uh, and, and they're still kids, but um, my oldest one especially, he hit a, a stride where he was watching them for a good year or two, <laughs> and uh, I remember – not really watching them on TV, but I did well, go yeah. see the movie.
0: You were much too old for it.
2: Yeah, but I still I still enjoyed stuff like that. This this was just, like you said, just I was just a little bit beyond that. But I did go to the movie and watch that when it first ran through. Um, I think Heck. it had a Van Halen song in it at the end. It was crazy. <laughs>
0: oh, that's an interesting fit.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, but it's written by the same guy who uh, wrote the original run of Nightwing in the New 52 no uh, Continuity And uh, for DC And uh, he also wrote Cowl for Image
2: That's not bad either And
0: now he's writing this um, The Boom published A Zero issue Last month mm-hmm. it, it does seem that they're uh, Catering to people More our age you know, Sure Nostalgic people who, uh, uh, who had been fans In their youth Of the original American run Of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers yeah. Back in the 90s Because they're talking About Rita Repulsa As mm-hmm. a villain here And the, 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 the Rangers Are shown fighting putties So this was definitely A throwback to the 90s uh, version of the show. Um, if you want to check it out, and I say this to you, Shane, and everybody listening at home: um, you can try the first issue for fifty percent off Excellent. if you order it through DCBService dot I love
2: fifty percent off. Now, on page three ten, Rust the Boy Soldier trade paperback. Um, I have a couple of these in in their hardback versions. Do um, you? Yeah, I do. Um, they're really good. I enjoy them. So if you if you're interested, uh, paperbacks not a bad thing.
0: Oh, we've got a new Roger Langridge thing on the opposite page. Yeah. It's uh, the Baker Street Peculiar. So it's kind of a Sherlock Holmes-related story, yeah. except uh, uh, similar to Without a Clue, we learn that Sherlock Holmes is something of a sham and that all of his adventures were made up by a, an elderly cleaning lady, a charwoman in <laughs> London. So it's a story of uh, Sherlock Holmes's would-be kid sidekicks in uh, Victorian London and the adventure that they have with uh, this crotchety old lady as she helps them solve the mystery as her character Holmes would.
2: Page 315 has uh, Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal Creation Myths Volume 2 trade paperback coming out in uh, April. I have uh, the hardcovers of these, and uh, they're they're a lot of fun. I mean, I love Dark Crystal, so. Mm-hmm.
0: Re-entering the world created by visual designer Brian Froud yeah. in conjunction with Jim Henson back in the early 80s. Yep, that's something from uh, what used to be Archaea. Mm-hmm. I've been subsumed into Boom Studios.
2: Uh, Jim Henson, Storyteller Dragons hits number four, the final issue. If anyone's interested in that? That's about all I had for Boom.
3: Yeah, I
0: think that'll do it for me, too. Oh, Adventure Time's ongoing comic reaches issue number 50.
3: Oh, wow. Uh, so that's a milestone.
0: Wow. 50. Not bad, considering they... Cartoon no. Network barely ever bothers to show the the cartoon on which it 's based yeah. anymore, uh, but uh, the number fifty issue is uh, four ninety nine it 's a thirty two page comic but it 's four ninety nine yeah if I was thinking about picking it up just to, you know to join in the anniversary celebration, I, I collected that uh, series for the first year or two um, mm-hmm. and until you know, the writer Ryan North took off for uh, other projects. He's writing Unbeatable Squirrel Girl for Marvel these days. Okay. Um I was going to step back in and check out issue 50, but at that price, yeah. Ouch. Dude, think so. Uh
2: 325 has Cartoon Books releasing Razzle the Complete Edition. I I've read a a good chunk of this. I think Brian Deemer read all of it or close to it. Um I've always wanted to finish it and I I haven't yet. But 39.95 for a complete hardcover edition. If you're interested, not not a bad thing to look at. Mm-hmm.
0: Indeed, not. If it's by Jeff Smith, it's probably at least readable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't read past the first issue myself. But I'm glad that there's now a, a compendium, an omnibus out there for people who want to read the whole thing at a shot. Yeah. Also on that page, this is something from the Canadian publisher Chapter House Comics, which also publishes the Adventures of Captain Canuck these days. Uh, the Pitiful Human Lizard, Volume One. It's it's kind of a, a funky indie take on the Spider-Man hard luck hero concept. It's about uh, a kid who's he's basically a like a cubicle farmer, and uh, he volunteers for a um, like a immune system enhancement project that accidentally gives him. Ri- Reptile-like regenerative powers, and he decides he's going to become a superhero. But he still has to deal with all the typical life problems of a young, uh, working twenty-something in an urban area. He lives in Toronto, so uh, it's uh, and it has kind of an indie comics feel. It, it reminds me of uh, Bernie. Uh, I, I never, heard, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Miro, I think he had mm-hmm. a character called the Jam, mm-hmm. who was also based in the on the the. St- clean streets of toronto and he had a crossover with madman back in the 90s a <laughs> uh, pitiful human lizard is uh, it should scratch your spider-man itch but it's um a little bit of a, a semi-parodic deconstruction of the concept and it's set in toronto so okay. it's, it's fun and it's offbeat and i i have all five issues and now it's available in a trade i actually do recommend it to people
2: you keep going where you are i'm up at a dynamite with a. A few interesting things. Um, first, Vampirella, Volume 3, Number 1, uh, by Kate Leth and Eamon Casalos. C-A-S-A-L-L-O-S. Um, Could be Casalos. I don't know. It's, okay.
0: Depending on whether it's uh, like Spanish or Portuguese.
2: On page 332 and 333, they feature Jose Gonzalez's Vampirella Art Edition hardcover, which is uh oversized very much artist edition type uh grandioseness um so if you're if you like Vampirella and you certainly like uh all these um true to life uh reprints of original art this is certainly up your alley
0: it's a good month for Vampirella. Well, yeah you're not kidding I think it's celebrating an anniversary this year if I'm oh
2: nice. really if I'm not mistaken
0: um Oh, yeah, and uh, the Vampirella Volume 3, number one. Very Mm -hmm. nice of Dynamite to tell us which volume this is. Yeah, yeah. If only the big two would be so kind. (laughs) Certain Marvel series seem to go through a volume on average once per year. You're not kidding there. So Dynamite's helping us to keep track. Uh, The first issue of Volume 3 is 50%
2: off at DCBService.com.
0: Excellent. And it's a Vampirella series uh, written by a woman.
2: Um, Army of Darkness, Furious Road miniseries, one of five comes out by Dynamite. Um, that's on page three thirty four. On three thirty six, Lords of the Jungle, number one of six, featuring Tarzan and Sheena. Um, you know, Dynamite always gets these great licenses, and I've read a bunch of stuff they have. Just wish they lasted longer, and maybe that's the idea: come out with a an arc every now and then, much like a. Like uh, like British TV shows, you just can do them when you can do them until you can't anymore or something.
0: Quick in, quick out, hit yeah. and run as long as the license lasts. Oh, and by the way, I I must correct myself here. I was wrong. Van Pirella is not ce- celebrating a 50th anniversary this okay. year. But uh, in ni- in, 19, uh, sorry, in 2019, that will be her 50th anniversary. Okay. wow. Jeez.
2: Um, Grumpy Cat and Pokey is up to two of six, and James Bond's uh, – Series hits number five from Dynamite, yeah, written by Warren Ellis. I have the first two of the first two or three of them so far. I have to sit down and read them. Yeah,
0: well, I know Chris enjoys it. Yeah. Um, speaking of Warren Ellis, on page three thirty-eight, uh, we have a trade paperback of a story he wrote called Black Cross, which is set within uh, the uh, Project Superpowers continuity created by uh, Alex Ross and Jim Ruger. You know, they just took a bunch of uh, public domain old golden age characters from a bunch of you know, like uh, minor publishers and uh, threw them all together in a single shared universe, um, posited that they'd all been trapped in a Pandora's box of sorts for the past 50, 60 years and were finally released into the modern world with strangely altered new powers and identities. And- And all kinds of fun stuff ensued after that. There was a Black Terror ongoing series. There were a few other solo projects. And here's uh, Warren Ellis uh, stepping into this world to tell a story. I don't know what kind of story exactly it is. It's called Black Cross. I don't know which of the Project Superpower's characters it involves. Though Black Cross kind of sounds like a Black Terror kind of thing. But um, now it's available in a trade uh, for less than $20. So I'm... I think this may be my chance to find out what exactly Warren Ellis is doing and uh, with what characters he's doing it.
2: Now, I'm up at page 351, Disney Lucasfilm Press. Now, this is somewhat interesting to me because we have so many iterations of it already, but I'm still curious about it. Star Wars, the original trilogy, a graphic novel, hardcover. It's $20, and it says, experience the original Star Wars trilogy, Is a way which I'm sure meant in a way you've never seen. You've never seen it before in this action-packed original graphic novel. Okay,
0: yeah, no creative team, no, which is kind
2: of strange. Um, The artwork's nice in a in a uh, kid-friendly kind of way. So I'm I'm curious to see what this is about since we already just had the Marvel stuff released recently with being recolored. but, again, they were standalone kind of original graphic novel-esque format with Star Wars, uh, with the New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. Right. Uh,
0: mini-series, uh, basically, or self-contained yeah. arcs adapting each film.
2: And this seems to be all-encompassing, all three of them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little curious to see that. Maybe there.
0: it's uh, – the idea is to retell the story uh, with a more modern creative sensibility. Could Maybe well they're be. afraid like the uh, 70s artwork and storytelling style would alienate young readers of today. That could
2: be. And this, again, looks like it's uh, a more kid-friendly version. could very well be directed directly <laughs> – nope, on their internet. Nope, they're trying uh, to capture the kids. Yeah, you know. strike while the iron's hot because mm-hmm. – uh,
0: yep, And they have to try a little harder nowadays because as has been observed in several quarters, mm-hmm. um, you know, kids these days have so many other options for escapist entertainment. Oh, yes, they do. Seeing Star Wars – The Force Awakens now may not have the same impact on them as it did on you – know, your generation back in the seventies. I'm,
2: I'm happy to say my boys have been all excited about it since then. Um, it it invoked Matt to read some of the young reader graphic, uh, not graphic, the young reader novels that are put out there. Um, he wanted a uh, a bunch from Santa for Christmas, so he got all of those and has already read one of them and started a second one. So uh, Matt's not my strongest reader. Ben's the yeah, stronger he's reader. The one you so have to push a little harder, just a little bit. But boy, when when the iron strikes, man, he he really wanted those books. Good for Matt. I'm glad he did. He said the Han Solo and Chewbacca one by uh, Greg Rucker was wonderful, and uh, I'm you know I'm interested to read all of them, but uh, especially the one, the first one written by Greg Rucker. He also wrote the one that um, features the Force Awakens characters of um, Finn and Ray, and and I think it's Poe on the cover. Uh, there are short stories in there, so
3: yeah.
0: yeah, a lot of material out there for young readers who are interested. Absolutely, I'm glad Matt is. Uh, there's a graphic novel on page 346 I wanted to mention quick. Mm-hmm. It's from Devil's Due. It's called The Four Norsemen of the Apocalypse, and it's about an American fighter pilot who dies in the skies over Afghanistan and is sent to the Norse Valhalla, yeah. which is the uh, – uh, the after. it's the hall of the honored dead. It's a special afterlife just for valiant warriors who've fallen in battle, and uh, they can spend all their time just – fighting all day long, drinking all day night, but all, all night long, <laughs> all day night. Where, where am I coming from? Um, but uh, when uh, the guy learns that uh, he can never leave and there are no women, uh, he and a few other uh, mavericks decide they're going to try and uh, stage a prison break from Norse warrior heaven. And so this is the story of their misadventures. It's written by Matthew Sturgis, who is uh, sort of like the apprentice of uh, Bill Willingham. And uh, co-wrote several of his projects for DC in the early 2000s. You remember the Shadow Pact series? Sure. He eventually took that over when Bill Willingham bowed out of it.
2: Okay. So I enjoyed he, Shadow Pact quite a bit.
0: Well, he has a few bylines, on, uh, mostly on mystically uh, oriented uh, stories. So that uh, actually might be a fun read.
2: Now, on page um, 378, under Joe's books, there's Disney's Gargoyle's CineStory softcover. Uh, for twenty nine ninety 1,000 years ago, superstition and the sword ruled. It was a time of darkness. It was a world of fear. It was the age of gargoyles. Um, stone by day, warriors by night. I loved this cartoon when it first came out. It featured um, uh, Marina Surtis and Jonathan Frakes doing voices of the gargoyles. Was and Michael Dorn in it too? Uh, I want to say he did show up maybe a little bit later. I don't know if he was or was not in the original... Uh, run of the cartoon uh, maybe as it as it progressed he was in it I can't quite remember that but I did love it um, I even bought a, a spe- special VHS tape version of it at one point oh wow um, yeah, I was just talking to Albert down at uh,
0: Golden Eagle oh get out day. oh wow remember Albert oh yes I do uh, big Disney fan Albert yes he is <laughs> yeah, and he was uh, he brought up Gargoyles and he did mention that Jonathan Frakes was in it
2: yeah uh, it was a lot of fun It was. it was a good series yeah and you know uh, I, I kind of think
0: this sinister – usually when uh, the title of a comic contains the uh,
2: – Cinna something. Yes, the
0: prefix sinna. That yeah. means that it's going to be just uh, strung together from cells of yeah. a, a TV show or movie. Just So it, it's probably not going to be original content.
2: No, no, no. Um, I enjoyed when uh, I had some volumes of Star Blazers that did it in this sinister story kind of style. Um, back when I, there was no VHS tapes of it and it wasn't airing anymore – Yet I found in uh, Golden Eagle these volumes of of the Star Blazers cartoon pulled out and put into the the books uh, straight from the film, and it it was a lot of fun to at least have something to go by Star Blazers back then. Hmm. Oh, let's see. Papercuts has and and things like this draw draw my eyes. Um, because Disney has its own print imprint of everything. And maybe some of these things are under its banner, and I just don't know it. But Paper Cuts on 394 has uh, Disney Graphic Novels Volume 2, Mickey, uh, ex-Mickey, and Disney Graphic Novels Volume 1 of Planes. It's just interesting to me. Oh, there's a new Zodiac Legacy Volume 1, Tiger Island also. Interesting to me that Disney um, has... There are comics now like the Mickeys and the Donalds coming out from IDW. It has this stuff in All over the place. Yeah.
0: It seems like uh, the the, the Paper Cuts uh, volume that we see here, this is a collection of European Disney
2: comics. Oh, interesting.
0: So I'm guessing Paper Cuts has uh, the rights to reprint that stuff. Yeah, that could be. I kind of think IDW had the rights to – or has the rights to some Disney material.
2: Yeah and some of these things might be part of one another we just don't know it um page 400 under space goat publishing has an evil dead cradle of the damned number 3 i i had missed seeing number 1 and 2 solicited somewhere
0: hmm. space goat I've never heard that before no me either hmm. um backing up just a bit to Go page ahead. 399 mm-hmm. um yeah this is under 7 seas entertainment it's um you know, at first I thought this was going to be a comics adaptation of *The Wonderful Wizard of Oz* and *The Marvelous Land of Oz*, mm-hmm. the first two books in L. Frank Baum's Oz series, sure, uh, done in uh, manga style. And this this won't this wouldn't even be the first manga adaptation of those two books. They're, they actually did do a manga *Land of Oz* a few years ago. Oh wow! Which I'm happy to have. Um, but uh, this, for those of you who think this might be a comics adaptation, it actually isn't. It's just. Uh, It's the books with uh, several – a lot of pages of uh, manga-style illustrations. Okay. So it's prose with uh, with manga illustrations, not uh, true comics, just to save people from spending money on something that isn't what they were expecting.
2: Sure, sure. Um, Up in Titan, um, they collected the Doctor Who, the eighth Doctor miniseries, uh, volume one, A Matter of Life and Death. I have the issues. I have to sit down and read them. Um, I always thought Palm again, uh, got shortchanged. Uh, I liked the Fox movie. It, it it had, it's, it's not so great points, but, uh, I was excited for the new doctor and I'm glad he has a a run on a big finish audio, um, as the doctor, um, going on adventures. So, um, I read the first issue of this and, uh, I liked it. They're doing such a bang up job between bringing in the fourth doctor. They had the 10th doctor. They've had war doctor stuff. They've had crossovers. Um, Titan's doing a really great job, I think, with uh, Doctor Who property. Definitely something to look at if you're a Whovian.
0: I trust your judgment on that subject implicitly.
2: They also have a Heroes run. Um, they have an Independence Day number one and two from something. They They have a lot of different items in there, not just comics. Some of the stuff, there was a... Uh, a TV show, Arrow dossier book, which uh, looked more like a informational encyclopedia type thing. They've uh, they've impressed me with some of the things they've put out.
0: Yep, and for Ben, they uh, continue to do the Penguins of Madagascar. Yes, they do. Is he still interested in penguins?
2: Not quite as much as he had been. He still talks about them, not nearly as heavily as uh, as he used to. Um, he has drawn a few penguins over the last few months. Going with that whole, he's getting into drawing and art stuff. And excellent, he wanted some colored pencils. He had me after he met Katie Cook. He had me, um, and he bugged me for quite a while. Not that I'm opposed to doing it. I just kept forgetting. Um, I sent her a message and I asked, you know, what kind of watercolors do you use? Would you suggest for somebody beginning? And she gave me some pointers, and uh, I got him some stuff. So he's he's uh, toyed around with that a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I I hope to. Uh, Get him a drawing table at some point, like an actual, not super fancy, but a nice drawing table, so he's not just leaning over his desk drawing. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what it, what he does with it he, as he keeps talking about art and drawing.
0: That is a great idea for yeah, a present. Yeah.
2: Well, my parents got it for me when I was a kid when when I and I was probably around his age when I when I did used to draw. Um, quite a little bit. I I just found total sidebar. I was unpacking um, framed pictures uh, that we still had not unpacked from moving a few years ago. And I found the last drawing that I really ever did was uh, a Linus and Snoopy for Carlene for her birthday one year. I want to say it was 98 or 99. And um, it's done in an old style where Snoopy didn't stand on his hind legs yet. And the Peanuts characters were a little bit more rounder drawn uh, they're not fat or anything like that that's not what i mean just a, a different style they didn't have the exaggerated heads and smaller bodies that that we know more so it was just in the early days of peanuts drawings and i i hung that on the wall in the in the basement with some other stuff but that was neat to find and that's really the last drawing i did uh, was back then and and I was not one to be able to create out of my head. I certainly had ideas there, but I could look at something and draw it out well enough in a lot of ways. So something I always wanted to get back to. But I'm happy to see Ben, through no influence of my own, getting an interest in that.
0: Maybe you can borrow his drawing table. Every yeah, once
2: in a while. yeah, you're not kidding. Work on your own projects. Yeah. Um, okay,
0: I've gotten to Valiant. Go ahead. All right, and uh, first up uh, for the valiant part of the book this month is uh, on page 432 and 433, a new volume of The Adventures of Archer and Armstrong, relaunching with number one. Uh, Artist is David LaFuente, and the writer, described as a rising star, an old friend of ours, actually, Rafer Roberts. Oh, wow. Remember Rafer?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did that uh, Plastic Farm uh, Uh comic about uh, Funk – Freaky talking plastic animals and he also did a strip called Nightmare the Rat, which is a kind of the a, a, a horrifying jab in the ribs of Walt Disney. It's about a very Mickey Mouse-like rat that goes around stealing people's teeth as they sleep. <laughs> he also wrote an Ashcan comic that is one of my favorite stories of the last ten years, Thanos and Darkseid, carpool buddies of doom. <laughs> Yeah, I got that at uh, New York Comic Con a few years ago. Nice. take it out and reread it every (laughs) few months. Uh, Yes, he's a a talented humorist. He's he's exhibited at a few of our uh, super shows over the years. He's Mm -hmm. friends with Danielle Corsetto. And uh, now he's gotten himself a high-profile assignment in uh, writing The Adventures of Archer and Armstrong, this – a uh, young man who was raised uh, as a Zen warrior slash fundamentalist Christian. And Armstrong, who is this uh, immortal uh, warrior who's uh, battled and boozed his way across millennia of human history uh, without becoming much a better person for it until he teamed up with Archer. And it's probably my favorite concept in the current Valiant universe. And... Um This new volume has uh, the two of them going into uh, Armstrong's magic satchel where he keeps all of his various weapons and uh, where he also apparently uh, imprisoned an old enemy of his, um, a powerful entity who uh, claims to be the Greek god of wine, Bacchus. Uh, or actually the Roman technically, Yeah, Dionysus would be Greek Bacchus is Roman but either way it, it's the god of wine or, or at least an entity claiming to be the god of wine and he's got powers over inebriation and he's gone kind of crazy being stuck in this magic satchel for all these years and Archer and Armstrong uh, get stuck in there and they have to contend with this guy that's all going on in the first issue and knowing Rafer's sense of humor I'm sure it's going to be quality stuff so yeah that sounds funny I'm absolutely going to buy that <laughs> Checked in with Rafer at Heroes Con this year. Yeah? I think he was kind of itching to tell me that he was doing this, but he wasn't allowed to at
2: the well, time. That's understandable.
0: Well, Rafer, now I know. <laughs> Congratulations.
2: That's great. And I do like wine, just as a side note. Not <laughs> I a bad like
0: thing. wine. <laughs> if you think of that episode of Buck Rogers in the 25th century when Buck went to the planet <laughs> of the satyrs. <seders.
2: laughs> God, I love that show.
0: Give me a woman. What wine. <laughs>
2: Now, I'm back towards the books. Page 464 has a Batman character encyclopedia, as well as DC superhero girls' Wonder Woman at Superhero High hardcover. So some some good young reader, kid-friendly kind of things. Uh, 465 has Rocket and Groot stranded on Planet Strip Mall novel. uh, That looks kind of cute and interesting. And then a whole bunch of Doctor Who stuff. I wish I had way, way, way more money to get <laughs> all of these big finish Doctor Who stuff. Oh,
0: money and
2: time. The Diary of money. River song audio set on page 466. The Churchill years on page 465. And a whole bunch of complete history Books from the First Doctor, the 11th, and the 5th. All good stuff.
0: Under magazines, Chris has already given us a rundown of the Tomorrow's offerings Mm -hmm. for the month. Back issue and comic book creator and so on.
2: Don't forget that draw one. (laughs)
0: Right, with Howard Porter and uh, (laughs) Justice League 3001. Still going.
2: Yes, it is. I'm happy it's still going, too. Looks like they're gearing up for the Batman versus Superman with the Dawn of Justice magazine. And uh, Brick Journal, um, number 39, looks like a dinosaur Jurassic Park-centric issue. Trading cards, Star Trek The Original Series 50th Anniversary Set. You know, with this whole Star Wars Force Awakens stuff, Tops was putting out um, Star Wars cards that looked like the old ones that came out in the 70s that I collected, but it features cards from all the different movies including force awakens and uh he's really gotten into getting those um not the cheapest things in the world compared to when i bought trading cards i would think you know but certainly cheaper than some other trading cards i've seen so he's having a good time and i am too looking at and some of them are more or less direct reprints of things that they had put out so it's been a lot of fun um to see those, so, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: possibly even more for you than for him. A little bit, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, you want an up late with Miss Piggy coffee mug?
2: Uh, Not especially. Uh, I I will say the last few episodes that did air, I laughed more than the first few. It was definitely getting better. It was getting better.
0: Or maybe we were just getting more used to the new status quo.
2: It could be. But uh, since it's being retooled for whenever it comes back, I'm curious to see what they do with it. So we'll see what happens with
0: that. Oh, yes, we will. But yeah, Miss Piggy up all night coffee mug. Yeah, that's on page five hundred four. If any of you listening really do want one,
2: I did think out of all the things that they sh- that they showed on that show that that wouldn't be a bad thing to put out there if you were enjoying the show and the premise of that series.
0: <laughs> page five twelve. There's actually a toy slash prop from the the mysterious cities of gold. Oh really. So, or, French-Japanese co-production apparently. I remember it aired on Nickelodeon uh, when I was a kid because in the – on the 80s, much of Nickelodeon's programming were either ancient uh, 50s and 60s reruns or they were imported from Canada, Europe and Japan and elsewhere. Uh, So that's an example of something that uh, was uh, imported from another country, another market, another culture and uh, was uh, dropped in the laps of uh, kids watching Nickelodeon on weekday afternoons back in the 80s. Yeah, I remember that show.
2: In the uh, Funko section of the toy section, page 516 has uh, Daredevil from the Netflix show Pop Figures. And on the next page is Pop G.I. Joe figures, as well as some more Hanna-Barbera figures. Um, interesting, Matt, my younger one, wanted a secret squirrel for Christmas from the Pop Collection <laughs> and uh, was and found one under the tree this year.
0: He wanted a secret he squirrel. He
2: did. Well, we've watched it on, uh, oh, God, it had to be Boomerang. Um Early Saturday or Sunday mornings for a while. I don't know that it's on now, but it was on, and and he loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot of fun to see him kind of get interested in something like that. From gosh, even before we were born. Wow.
0: You know, you're mentioning uh, older cartoons that you've exposed your kids to. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of something back on page four sixty two under books. Sure. And which, well, the, what I saw there reminded me of something else that I think we'll have to address. Near the end of the episode, um, page uh, yeah four sixty two, uh, there is a book about uh, the DePatty Freeling Animation Studio. Oh wow! That produced the Pink Panther. Sure, cartoons. That's, that's a
2: favorite sure. of the kids. I have a, a four or six CD, uh, CD DVD set that they have watched hundreds of times over their lives so far. Love it.
0: Yep. So here's a just, uh, it's a book about telling the story of how that animation studio came hmm. about. Wow. And as Chris would point out, if he were here, uh, De Patty freeling eventually, you know, by the beginning of the '80s, evolved into Marvel Animation. Oh, so wow. So th- there is a comic book connection there. They, they, I huh. think they were still De Patty freeling when they did the Spider Woman cartoon at the okay. end of the '70s, but shortly after that, uh, they became just like a, a, a Marvel subsidiary. But yep, they gave us the Pink Panther, and here is a 638 page book. Wow telling the story of uh, the early days, the development, the origins of that animation studio. It's called Think Pink, the DePatty Freeling story.
2: That would be interesting to read. I love that series. Um, Funko also has reaction, action figures of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, if anyone is so inclined. I do try to watch that movie at least once a year at Halloween. Yep.
0: You know, I have yet to see that movie Uh, I I, I shouldn't say that it's a lot of fun I've yet to uh, what's what's the proper word To, to really to experience that movie without distraction. Let's put it that way. I mean, I know when you go to a live screening, there's going to be people shouting back at the screen and throwing things and doing all the crazy audience response things that have become culturally expected.
2: That's the one thing I haven't done yet. Of a Rocky Horror
0: audience. Yeah. uh, I'm not ready for that yet. But uh, (laughs) I've I've been, I think twice in my life, I've been present in a room where the movie was airing. But uh, this was when I was in high school and a couple of my friends who were into kind of out-there stuff that uh, the average high school kid in the 90s wasn't into, including the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually had a party to get together and watch it, but uh, that the other people in the room just started talking with each other at the tops of their lungs. about half, It always happens when you get a bunch of teenagers together in a room and try to watch a movie. They yeah. end up jabbering sure, instead too. of paying attention to the movie. Yeah. So I'm sitting there trying to follow the plot, trying to listen to the songs <laughs> and – so it's kind of hopeless. So in effect, I have never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. One of these days.
2: Yeah, that'll be rectified.
0: <laughs> then maybe I'll buy some reaction action figures. <laughs> and maybe after that, I'll go to a live screening and
2: um, join the insanity. I'm thumbing through towards the back in the game section. and I always go back here to see if Cryptozoic has anything for the DC Deck Builder game. And to my surprise, DC Deck Builder game crossover expansion pack four Watchmen. Thirteen dollars. Page five eighty. So that's interesting.
0: Wow! So there because
2: all... <laughs> it's been a while since we've had anything come out for DC deck builders. Yeah,
0: yeah, you can bet that Danny and Bill are going to be all
2: over that. Oh yeah, yeah. I missed the first first expansion pack, which I think was Arrow, um, or no, maybe Justice Society. One of them I ordered, one of them I didn't, and I don't remember what the third one was, so I obviously missed that one as well. Crisis, maybe? Oh, well, maybe it was I think Crisis. I there was
0: a Crisis. Danny and Bill definitely have the Arrow and Justice Society thing, and I'm pretty sure that there was a Crisis one, too.
2: That could be. I have to go in search of some of these things I'm missing for DC Deck Builders. Ben and I had uh, been playing that pretty, pretty um, routinely and have fallen away from that in the last couple months now. That's about it for me for previews for the back of the book. Yeah, but you know, I
0: mentioned that uh, that that Pink Panther book mm-hmm. uh, reminded me of something else. Uh, this month's previews contains the first listings of uh, the uh, free Comic Book Day offerings for 2016. Okay. Yep. Uh, we we didn't mention those. No, we didn't. I think we should. Let's just get a look at that fairly quickly. I've, the reason it reminded me of that is because uh, under the silver sponsors uh, for American Mythology, a uh, publisher of Which I'd never heard before now. Uh, They're doing a a Pink Panther uh, comic as their uh, free comic book day comic. Oh, nice. (laughs) The Mighty Panthor.
2: I'll have to try to get that one for the kids.
0: (laughs) All right, under gold sponsors, we've got another edition of uh, Archie number one
2: from Archie. We have another DC top secret, whatever it is. Yeah, thanks for all the information there, DC. We have uh, the four doctors on the uh, Titan Comics one.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, from IDW, we've got Rom Space Night number zero. Oh, nice. For free. Images giving us an all ages uh, friendly thing called Camp Midnight from writer Stephen T. Siegel of Sandman Mystery Theater and uh, uh,
2: House of Mystery. Sonic the Hedgehog also from uh, Archie Comics. God, I've had a hankering to play that game lately. Looks like uh, Grumpy Cat from Dynamite Entertainment gets a free comic book day. Grumpy Cat and Pokey.
0: Uh, You can't have one without the other.
2: IDW has a Strawberry Shortcake free comic book day. Oh,
0: indeed. Yeah, there
2: she is. I wonder if it'll, it'll smell like strawberries.
0: <laughs> Scratch and sniff comic. I kind of yeah. like that idea. Yeah. Oh, we get uh, a phantom free comic book day thing, an 80th anniversary special from Hermes Press. Wow,
2: 80. Hmm.
0: Oh, the, there's a tick of many worlds. It was kind of a <laughs> the tick's um, lunatic take on uh, – uh, alternate, well, parallel Earth crossovers. That's coming out for New England Comics Press.
2: Top Shelf has a March Trilogy sampler, uh, free comic book day edition. I have book one and two. I don't think I have three. Oh, it's coming 2016. All right, well, that's good. I'm glad I didn't miss it then. United Plankton has a SpongeBob free comic book day. <laughs> Freestyle funnies. Uh, yeah,
3: pretty
0: close.
2: Yeah, sometimes I get it closer. Not usually, though. (laughs) took me
0: forever to figure out how he did it. Uh, By being Tom Kenny,
3: that's how.
2: (laughs) It looks like there is a 2016 commemorative poster for Free Comic Book Day by Art Balthazar, which looks awesome. That's great. From Fantagraphics,
0: there will be a Love and Rockets sampler. So I guess it's going to be a bunch, yeah, classic L&R material by the Hernandez brothers from, I guess, across uh, the decades run of that uh, independent series. Sounds good, especially for people who, like me, have uh, really not read much of Love and Rockets or or any of it, yeah. In the years. Oh, and then there's that March series from Top Shelf, which is. Uh, uh, it's a tale of the civil rights movement. No, That's the one I said. Yeah. Oh, you did?
2: Just a little, just briefly. You went into a little more detail, yep. which is fine.
0: Jamie was a big champion of that. Yes, it's, he was. It's been told in a series of graphic novels, mm-hmm. and this is kind of a, it's a digest version.
2: Um, the third volume comes out this summer or April April of 2016, summer of 2016. I had thought I missed it, seeing that it have featured something from each of them a little bit. something else that grabbed me, Darby Pop, Bruce Lee, The Dragon Rises, number one, free comic book day edition. And on page 42, Grant Morrison's Avatrex, Destroyer of Darkness from Graphic India. Hmm. I don't know that I've heard of that.
0: I'm thinking it's new. That could very well be. Yeah, he's, uh, Grant Morrison seems to be doing a few things for Graphic India. It mentions his 18 Days series. Yeah. So that's... Same publisher, another concept. It's Morrison, and it's free,
2: so yeah. it's got to be worth a look. Give it a try. 2000AD special, free comic book day edition. Everything comes back to two thousand eighty. It sure does. Yeah, lots of good... Uh... Good picks for Free Comic Book Day.
0: Oh, and I think Brian Deamer would want me to mention uh, on uh, page 45, Third World Studios' The Stuff of Legend. This isn't the first Free Comic Book Day Stuff of Legend comic that's come out. But it's basically – it's the Lord of the Rings with uh, stuffed animals and and little children's (laughs) toys. Nice. All right. So there's our overview of uh, uh, the Free Comic Book Day offerings. And uh, as usual, when you go to dcbservice.com and place your order, you will be given the option to select as many as five yeah. of these uh, free comic book day offerings uh, to uh, put onto your order for this month. And they will be sent to you, uh, well, free of charge, naturally.
2: Yeah. Please take advantage of it. I, I do it every year. I love it. It's, it's very nice that they do it that way, and and I certainly appreciate it. Yep. And
0: I we usually end up at uh, Wild Pig or something. yeah, yeah. For, for, wild, for free comic book day itself. But, you know, just to... Uh, avoid making such an impact on Chris's supply of, uh, of free comic books that he's giving out to his paying customers as opposed yeah, yeah. to us, the family members.
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and besides, he doesn't get every single free comic book day comic yeah. that's uh, on offer. So uh, I tend to order the more obscure ones, the ones that Chris is less likely to have. Yeah, I do DCBs,
2: too. DCBS. And uh, I usually hit a Golden Eagle. I try to hit Golden Eagle for a free comic book day also and um, get more than – I think they usually let you take two and then you pay something for the rest and that money gets donated to one of the local libraries, which I love that Lem always did and love that uh, his sons continued that all these years. Um, I love it. So yeah. yeah, it's not a bad thing either.
0: I think if they have any left over after the day itself, then they all become like 50 cents yeah, each.
2: Yeah, something like that. And then that money still, as far as I know, goes to the library. That was always a, a, a sign that they had on the, on the table as long as they had them. That's where it went. It's a, it's a good idea. All
0: right. All right well, I think that uh, wraps up this month's uh, previews episode. Yeah. Uh, let's remind everybody of the off-the-rack picks from this catalog this month, this episode. Uh, for DC, it'll be the Legends of Tomorrow 80-pager, number one. Uh, from Marvel, the Infinity Entity miniseries, number one. And from Image, the independent pick is The Discipline, number one, by uh, Peter Milligan.
2: All right. And this episode was sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. That's dcbservice.com. Go there for all your pre-ordering needs. Check out all the bundle packages Murd was talking about at the top of the episode. And, um, yeah, it's a it's a great way to shop for your comics at a good discount. So definitely check it out. Mm, for sure. Uh, Visit us at comicgeekspeak.com to send us an email. The address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com to leave a voicemail. The number is 267-702-6642. Stop by The Comic Forums and let us know what interests you in previews. Let us know if we missed anything that that piqued your curiosity. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And as always, we are Uniting the World's Mightiest Heroes, one listener at a time. (laughs)
1: But the